Wrestling Geeks Alliance. How you doing out there? This is Dan Nels, your friend in and wrestling. I'm not going to call myself a wrestling guru. I was about to, but I'm not that pretentious. But anyways, I got another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance for you guys. And of course, always with me on these shows, unless he's not, which is once in a great fucking while. And I haven't had to do that in a long time. Christopher Brother Ray Patton, how you doing, sir? I am doing wonderful, man. It's been a uh, busy ass week. Lots of wrestling, lots of hockey. Uh, I'm excited to talk about all of it. How's your How's your week been? Week has been good. Um, you know, I can't complain, actually. I've been uh, watching uh, a, a director in the horror genre uh, who's had some movies at A24, a lot of his stuff. Uh, Ty West. Um, got really excited about him after I saw House of the Devil recently and then i just watched x and i think his best movie even though i really liked x the sacrament which is about the jonestown murders so you know i'm just a uh 22 year old girl right now i guess just getting obsessed with um people that like to massacre people in cults that makes sense (laughs) so house of the house of the devil is that a that's a remake right i don't believe so no it was made in um 2009 i think okay he's been around for a while i just don't know uh i i just now got introduced to him he's now one of those a24 you know horror guys that are going to go on probably like roger eggers and ari aster and alex garland to make some huge movies outside of the horror genre eventually but making his mark We've talked about this before on the podcast, but uh, the resurgence of horror movies right now in some of these great, more artsy directors has been a breath of fresh air for me and just movies in general. But uh, yeah, I need to check out House of the Devil. It's one of those ones I've had on my list and and never got around to seeing. So I might have to make an effort to do that this weekend. I've been personally watching that The Flight Attendant. (laughs) I'm fully caught up on that. And I, I think I talked about it. Uh, last podcast we had, which is two weeks ago, we were we've been on a little bit of a delay here. Yes. Um, that Julia Childs show with Meryl Streep, which is fucking phenomenal, and those are really the only two TV shows I've been watching simply because there is so much playoff hockey and wrestling that's consumed pretty much the rest of my time. <laughs> I feel you, man. Um, but since since you said that. Let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about wrestling. We got some news items about two wrestlers um, and just statements they've made as of recently that's put the internet on uh, a buzz, I would say, within the wrestling community. First, let's talk about Kota Ibushi in New Japan because it's gotten pretty hostile. Um, I'm going to (laughs) basically... I'm going to rephrase everything I heard from Brian Alvarez for the most part, so... Uh, but I listened to um, him and Mike's uh, Observer stuff that they now put on Spotify. Really happy that they're doing a 45-minute show like, uh, like uh, whatchamacallit does. Um, oh, man, the other show with 
Dave LaGreca and Bully Ray that I like to listen to. Busted Open. It's nice having a shorter version of that that show. But uh, um, Brian was basically saying, Chris, and I'm sure you've heard a lot of stuff on this. Coda has been unhappy. Uh, he wasn't happy, you know, with his title reign. Uh, he hurt his shoulder uh, in the G1 last year, separated it, uh, had to be pulled from it, and didn't want to do the G1. Actually wanted to take some time off because he was beaten up and he was worried that he was going to get an injury. Uh, it's now, after, you know, hearing this stuff and uh, the reports of him, you know, kind of blaming his shoulder on them, it's now being reported that New Japan saying that he turned down surgery uh, within this whole entire time period. Um, he's also saying that uh, some remarks uh, were, were said to him by one of Gato's, um, uh, you know, assistant bookers, if you will, within New Japan that really uh, pissed him off. Um, and just an array of other stuff. And one of the things that's kind of hard is that I'm getting reports from someone that's getting trans transcriptions from Japanese writing, obviously, online. So there are earlier reports saying certain things that were clarified later on. But it just looks like the relationship, essentially, between New Japan and Kota Ibushi is not good. And as both Brian and Mike said, Chris, um, when it comes to other Japanese organizations, I'm not saying that All Japan, Dragon Gate, Pro Wrestling, Noah, even DDT would not want to pick up Kota Ibushi, but when it comes to going against the business and pulling stuff like this in public, it might reflect badly when it comes to the ownerships of these other organizations. And then, obviously, one of his best friends, you know, is over here, Kenny Omega, one of the VPs for AEW. But now that AEW has a relationship with New Japan that they're trying to, you know, go into, it's just uh, a lot of this stuff is not good for Kota Ibushi. I don't blame him if he was unhappy for saying stuff. I completely understand. Mustafa Ali is a good example as of recently over in WWE for that. Um, but a lot has happened, and you have the guy that I kind of consider like the modern Sayama. I mean, he was Tiger Mask W, so that kind of makes sense. He's just an incredible, gifted athlete. Uh, and I just hope that his career especially over in Japan, where he's from, and also AEW, for that matter, because of their relationship, their building with New Japan isn't hindered because of all this. But, you know, there is a lot of stuff to be said of what he was reporting on on, on being unhappy about, Chris. Uh, mostly the remarks made by that, that said Booker and also about not wanting to be a part of G1, takes some time off because of injury and them kind of... Um, not forcing him, obviously, but guilting him into it. So uh, what do you have to say about all this? Yeah, kind of in the same boat as you. It's We're reading translated, especially when the news first came out of it, a lot of it was translated from Japanese wrestling media. So uh, there was rumors about sexual harassment at one point. I, I don't know where that ended up landing. But, I mean, I think the one takeaway we can say is that the relationship is obviously soured. Um, with Kota Ibushi, I guess he, he didn't want to get sold, shoulder surgery because he's had it before. Um, and he thinks that that might shorten his career, limit what he can do in the ring instead of letting it heal naturally. And then on the New Japan side, you know, obviously they want him to get the surgery because he's going to be back faster. It's, it, so that was part of it. As far as his title run goes, um, 
I mean, he's been injured several times since signing that big contract with New Japan. I don't know that you can really put that on New Japan for his title run. And, you know, if you're if you're getting paid what Kota is getting paid, they're going to expect you to be at G1 because it's their it's their biggest of back to back events. It's where they're going to make most of their money. Um, they don't have massive TV deals like a WWE or AEW. Most of their money is made from these live events and from their pay-per-views. So uh, I could see both parts of that. I mean, obviously, if you're hurting and, and you say you want to take that time off, that's a big deal. But like, uh, didn't he go into G1 as champion? And it's kind of like every year the champion's going to be in the G1. Like, I'm sure that there's been years where Okada or Tanahashi would like to take off. <laughs> working g1s especially on on nights they're not actually having a tournament match but that's just part of the the gig in new japan especially if they're pushing you as a top guy i mean it's uh it's unfortunate but that's kind of their style of wrestling i think the biggest thing here and pretty much what everyone's been saying dave metzler or brian alvarez or um the biggest issue they're gonna that he's gonna have is don't, he's not gonna get paid the same anywhere in Japan that he like near the amount he's getting paid in in New Japan and that's why he signed what he called a life lifelong contract dedicating himself to New Japan and uh, I mean, the obvious thing would be with Kenny being there and Kota being such a great wrestler would be to bring him into AEW but if he's pissed off New Japan um, how long do you have to wait to do something like that? Uh, but from all accounts, it doesn't seem like New Japan and, and Kota are going to be able to get this resolved. Which is not good at all, um, especially with the talent level of Kota Ibushi. Just frustration and injury, I think, that he's been banged up. And if you look at his, you know, American, or, yeah, American counterpart, because he's from North America, uh, Kenny Omega... He was going through a lot of shit with his body, but he went to an organization where he had a long title run as a VP and now has time off to be able to heal everything up uh, until he's ready. So I don't know. It just it sucks with Kota. Like I said, uh, the biggest thing that Brian was saying that this to Japanese culture, this doesn't look good. Uh, and to the other organizations that are in Japan, that. It, you know, it just looks like you're, you're, you're blasting the company that you work for, and there's a level of respect when it comes to that. So hopefully that doesn't hinder him if he were to leave New Japan. But then you have a contract. What does that go on with? Can he come over here? But, like, where's it going to work, you know? Um, I guess Shinsuke could try to help him in WWE, but AEW, like I said, has a relationship with New Japan. Impact also does. Um, it's just... You know, the sexual harassment thing, I don't know if that's been changed of just harassment or it was that booker that I was referring to. I don't know the gentleman's name, but he was one of Gato's assistant bookers that said something to him that he really was uh, not happy about. Um, but like I said, transcript and lost in translation due to that. Um, but just a lot of stuff in, you know, with with his shoulder and Brian Alvarez was speaking on this and kind of putting it into perspective. Um, he used to be able to bench press, I think they said 280, and he's not being able to put a lot of stuff outside of the bar now. And Brian said that's the exact same thing that happened to him when he separated his shoulder. So your strength depletes so you can, you know, go in there and cause more injury or harm to your opponent because you can't, you know, do the, the strength stuff that you were once able to do 
uh, because of the shoulder uh, injury. So seems like Cody has a lot of good reasoning. He should have probably not broadcasted everywhere and handled his stuff. But then again, if you're unhappy, you're un- unhappy. It's just going to be weird not seeing Kota Ibushi in some form of wrestling, you know, of a major organization in the future if this hinders him, basically. Yeah, and I think, you know, does AEW want to sign a guy that's openly saying he can't lift 90 pounds? You know what I mean? I think that's that was the number that they threw out there. He doesn't want to get the shoulder surgery. How long until he's going to be in shape to actually go out and have the kind of matches that yeah. you expect Kota Ibushi to have? And, and how much do you want to pay a guy like that? Um, even in the American market, like that's something you would have to look at if you're, you're WWE or uh, even somewhere like Impact. Like what is what is this guy going to be able to do when he's openly talking about how banged up and hurt he is? I mean, it's unfortunate. That sucks. No one wants Kota Ibushi to not have a sex, uh, successful wrestling career, I don't think. But uh, if you're looking at it from all avenues like that, I mean, you know he's going to want to get fucking paid. <laughs> You know, at least similar to what he's making in New Japan, I would I would think, wherever he goes. Um, as far as the other the Japanese culture and stuff, uh, I mean, we've seen this in the past, though, with other wrestlers banging on New Japan and going to All Japan. It's, I mean, Kota Ibushi is such a big name, I don't know how much that will hurt him. Because at one point, he was, I, I think I think the top the term- three of most over people in Japan as a wrestler. I think I think that the, the term that Brian was saying is that he's hearing from stuff over there with New Japan and also just the organizations themselves that Coda is basically burning bridges and it's very well known on a business sense because of their culture that he's pissed off the biggest organization in Japan. So something right, on those right. lines. I mean, I, I guess he would always have a home in DDT, right? One would think. Yeah, um, I, I would. I would think. But like I said, I, I would. Think, <laughs> I would have to assume the pay difference between DDT and, and New Japan, where he's at currently, would be a big difference. And then there's also the: Does he want to move? If he, even if AEW did want to hire him, does he want to move from Japan, or is it going to be something like they have with Pac, where he's only going to come in for you know? so many appearances a year and not actually move from, you know, Japan or the UK. Um, and that might, that might be something that they're able to do without pissing off new Japan. If he's going to come in and, and, and do some stuff like that. I just don't know how enthralled they're going to be about, you know, the golden lovers showing up. And do you want to put that strain? If you're trying to start doing these mega events, as a company, do you want to just take that chance on Kota Ibushi? Because like you were just saying, even outside of Japan, if you're burning these kind of bridges, anyone that signs this guy, it's going to affect their relationship with New Japan as well. Which, um, So that I guess that's the interesting part of it. Sucks for Kota Ibushi. I think he's a great wrestler. He didn't have a great title run, but he was also injured and banged up for most of it. I mean, he got a concussion in a match, and then he's had the shoulder injuries and... Um, I think even when he got signed, there was questions on how much he had left in the tank and how healthy he was because he's had injuries in the past. But it uh, probably didn't help that him and Naito dropped each other on their heads like 78 times. <laughs> so Probably one of the only good things about all of this, I guess you could say in a really fucked up way, is that we possibly will not see another match where Naito and Kotobushi try to kill each other. 
Um, but damn, just crazy. I do like Kota Ibushi. I hope he figures out everything within the business. And, uh, you know, we see him sooner than later pop up somewhere. Even even if it's back in New Japan, him working out whatever with them. You know, I just hope that things get worked out. He would be someone that it would really suck to all of a sudden not see Kota Ibushi pop up in a, main, in a mainstream way uh, within professional wrestling. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one part that sucks about this is it's not one of those situations where you can just say, hey, suck it up, stick through the contract, because he signed a 10-year fucking deal with New Japan. Yep. So that's the part where it gets even harder and, and is a little different than some of the people we've seen have issues with WWE, like a John Moxley, for instance, that can, hey, I'm going to wait when this contract's done. I'll go do whatever I like, or, or Cody, which I don't think Cody was having issues with AEW per se, but... um. When you sign like a ten-year fucking deal, you're kind of you're kind of just fucked. This ha- this used to happen happen in hockey quite a bit, where people would sign these long-term ass deals, and then it's like, well, you know, you're not gonna be able to renegotiate that contract, and it's gonna be really hard to move you to any other team, and it's uh, it's weird to see that long of a deal in wrestling, and um, a lot of wrestlers now they don't sign over. I know Vince was trying to get people to do five-year deals, but that's even that's like a long time in the wrestling business to think about what the landscape is going to look like. Uh, even when, when we have news like MJF talking about not ruling out going to WWE or taking a serious look at it, like no one knows what wrestling is going to look like when his contract's up in two years in 2024. So um, very interesting sucks for Coda. I hope, I hope that they're able to just resolve their issues. <laughs> like that would be the best thing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, but the execs and him, it's definitely uh, not looking good. And like like we both said, I hope it resolves it. Uh, do you think that the Tony Khan MJF relationship is 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 more work, or do you think that there actually is some hostility there from the stuff that we're hearing? I don't think it's at the level of a Kota Bushi and Bushi or in uh, is it Bushi Road? Is the name of the uh, organization that owns Stardom in New Japan? Oh, man. Uh, I'm so bad at that because they actually changed ownership a while back, a few years ago. And I don't I don't remember what that company's name is, but it is under the same umbrella as, as Stardom. Um, but Bushi Road sounds right. I just wouldn't bet my life on it. Kind yep, of thing. yep, that's the name of the entertainment conglomerate. Um, the only reason I threw myself out is because I said Kota Bushi and Bushi Road. I was like, am I fucking this up? So, uh, yeah, no, that's the name of it. Uh, but yeah, just, um, MJF's talking a lot <laughs> so recently, and apparently Tony Khan has not been happy about some of those said comments. Uh, you know, he's really referring and uh, the, the stuff he did on dynamite. I don't think that, the, I, I don't think that that was like a shoot thing. I think that that's MJF's going to play that off, but he has been disclosing information in interviews. Apparently Tony's getting aggravated about that. And apparently MJF is really considering going to WWE once his contract's out if they get, offer him more money. So, PGMJF? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It could be interesting. I think that character could work in WWE, right? I mean, he's obviously going to have to tone it down, but they don't have a heel like MJF. Not even anyone close. He would come in and be kind of the top fucking heel right off the bat, maybe outside of Roman. The, the question is, uh, Chris, with that... Uh, I think the biggest worry, if MJF goes there, that we all have, you know, 
it's obviously a scripted environment. There's much more stuff with the writers involved. Would he have like what it seems Cody has, what the Miz has, what Roman has about, yeah, we'll go by a format, but I'm going to make it my own. Like, would they give him that leeway? Cause it seems like that would definitely need to be in place because MJF, one of his strongest things are right off the cuff promos, you know, that he comes up with. So would that be, hinder his, his, uh, him excelling in the, the fed, if you will. I would assume that he would try to get something written into his contract, similar to whatever Cody got written into his. I would I would think and hope, right, where he's going to have a little bit of leeway, similar to Cody or Roman or uh, Kevin Owens is another example that they kind of let do their thing. I think, you know, if it, with the amount of money it would take to get him to leave AEW to come to WWE, I mean, you're going to he's going to be wanting the same money as Cody, right? I yep. would think. So, um, I want that, the Cody money, <laughs> right? Right. So do you want to take away the thing that he's probably the best at, which is his promos? I mean, I think WWE would be smart enough to lean into that as much as they could. And they've done that with Cody and they've kind of let, you know, edge be more open with his promos, not as scripted. It seems like they're kind of dialing that back a little bit because, at least with their top guys, if they trust you and know that you can do it, it's uh, it's not as big of a problem. The, pro- the, the more of the problem is their trust level for not giving someone the chance to become that person is what we've seen more of, really. Like some of the NXT people and, and other talent on the card is more of where WWE seems to have that, have that problem or issue with trust level. Um, do I think he's going to go? Impossible to tell. It's two years from now. AW could yeah. get new TV ca- contracts and be making way more money than they are now and not have like this video game that they spent $80 million on so far could come out and be a huge success and double that amount of investment. Like there's no way to tell and that AW wouldn't just match that fucking contract. And also like he might have like two title runs before we get there and, and love what he's doing in AEW. Um, I think it just depends on where the companies are at. If they're both kind of at the same level of success, has he, has he wanted to ever go do WrestleMania? Like that's a big get, right? And you know, WWE is going to pay him. So it's, uh, I could see it going either way, man. Like, you know, like I said, it's, it's two years from now. It's kind of hard to, to look that far into the future and, and think that you know there's no truth to it i do think a little bit of him just talking about it online and shit is just playing up his character being a dick um, yeah as far as tony khan being angry i think that's probably a little bit of a work as well i mean he has to be well aware that this is going to start happening uh to various stars that he has that are under contract i mean we've already had mentioned that wwe wants to re-sign ftr <laughs> if i'm ftr want- i don't see that happening but <laughs> The ones they want are, are some of the biggest, you know, they want Kenny, they want FTR now, they wanted the Bucks, you know, I feel like Jericho is another possibility and MJF are all the names thrown out. Cody was as well. And obviously he's fucking over there. So it's all about money. And you want to, like you said, experience WrestleMania, have a new array of opponents to go to with new matches and new things for you to try. But then what detracts from that is, yeah, you're in the biggest wrestling organization in the world but you don't have as much stuff. I I would say with MJF though, Chris, there is, and I mean, I've seen a lot of his, his, uh, you know, fellow wrestling minds make the comparison between 
MJF and Paul Heyman in a lot of aspects because of, you know, both Jewish entertainers within the wrestling business. Obviously, Paul wasn't so much of a, uh, a uh, more of a mind, obviously, not a wrestler, but still incredible promos, devious heel. You know, I, I feel like MJF could hook up with Paul, and Paul would definitely, you know, I feel like Paul, whoever he's working with, whether it be Brock or Roman, he kind of ends up writing for. And what a fantastic combination of two guys to put together if MJF were to end up in WWE between Paul Heyman and MJF as a unit. It's very true. I kind of wonder what AEW's pay is like, because I would assume these wrestlers get paid more for pay-per-view dates, especially if they're main eventing. I mean, that's how the model worked in in WWE. So I wonder if that will factor into just like a flat contract of, hey, you're getting this amount of money, or if you could do something where you're like, I want this amount of money plus like pay-per-view revenue. Um, Cause that could affect, you know, how much money you make overall, maybe even more so than uh, anything else or merch or whatever. So, I mean, all that stuff plays into it. It's interesting stuff. I like the comparison to Paul Heyman, CM Punk being one of his biggest uh, influences and kind of openly talked about by MJF. Do you look at the story of what happened to Punk and go, fuck that? This is all me just trying to make more money. Because what this really reminds me of is like when Randy Orton's contract was about to (laughs) expire. It's just MJF is getting way out ahead of it. Yeah, he's putting the feelers out there a hell of a lot sooner than, you know, we probably thought he would. But he's an intelligent person for that. Gets in his fucking mid-20s, and he's such a brilliant wrestling mind already. It's just absolutely incredible. But like you said, title reigns. And look... I mean, there, we have Kenny, and that's an unknown factor in all of it, but I feel like if not this pay-per-view, maybe even the New Japan in Chicago, think Punk's getting that title from Adam Page. So who would be the perfect guy, if not Kenny Omega, than the person he's already had a rivalry with, fucking him over and getting that title eventually with MJF? So I feel like he's in the fucking, you know, he's kind of like, wow, I can't believe I'm about to say this. He's how I feel with the AEW title that he's eventually going to get it, kind of like how I feel about Cody in WWE with the uh, the heavyweight title. I feel like it's eventually going to be his. I mean, the fact that Cody's doing the uh, fucking Money in the Bank commercials, it's like, huh, I wonder if WWE's putting it out there that Cody's going to win the Money in the Bank! He's in this commercial! But I'm just saying, I don't know, it'll be interesting for either thing you know, where stuff goes in the next two years is going to be very crazy. Yeah, I mean, people are going to lose their shit when MJF wins the title in general. I think that's going to probably skyrocket into the moon. A lot of fans have been waiting for it. So, yeah, I think that's a for sure. And then now with the the news of Roman working the Lesnar schedule and both belts being off of him, I could easily see him just cashing in on a fucking SmackDown or something after winning the money in the bank and at least taking one of the titles. Great transition, my friend. The last thing that we're going to talk about with the news is Roman Reigns. I kind of threw the MJF one in there when I remembered it, and thank you for kind of reminding me. But um, Roman Reigns, kind of, he was uh, on a recording um, at a house show and just basically told the crowd that he didn't know that he appreciated all of them, you know, and that he didn't know when's the next time he'd actually be there, if anything. And we come to find out that he is going to a more limited schedule. There have been some Hollywood offers that I'm sure Jason Momoa are ter- is terrified about. 
Um, and also, you know, it's it's the same thing that happened inevitably with the with Hulk Hogan for a little while, Piper for a little while, and obviously with The Rock, um, even Stone Cold outside of Hollywood. You know, kind of, everyone ends up, you know, not going as 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 full of a schedule as they once did, especially when you become more established. Just Roman is the biggest wrestler right now, and now it seems like he's going to have a bigger schedule than Brock Lesnar, it looks like, from from what I've heard, but still a very limited schedule, and there's a good chance that that's the reason why they might try to inevitably get the titles off of him is because he's going to be more of a showcase wrestler you know, than the champ, but it seems like, Chris, he finally got to where he wanted to on the mountain, and now he's like, all right, I'm going to go climb another one. But, I mean, i got to respect that to an extent, too. I actually think that it's very smart for both him and WWE to take him off TV. I mean, it's going to suck when he's not there, just because they positioned kind of the entire product around him, similar to what they did with John Cena. But when he comes back, they're going to be able to do with that character whatever the hell they want, right? Because absence makes the heart grow fonder. People are already more into Roman Reigns than they pretty much ever have been with his heel storyline. And um, the guy's been an absolute fucking workhorse for the past year and a half, really. If you think about it, he's been on every fucking show. He's wrestling every house show. It's he, he, Even as a heel, he was the John Cena um, during this time period. So it's... Uh, you know, good. He's getting some time off to spend with family. I think he said he's just taking 10 weeks off, right, before he does anything else. That's what I've heard. And then I'm assuming they're doing Hobbs and Shaw 2, right? That's been rumored. So we'll have some time off for filming. Um, the biggest thing is they decided to put both belts on him, right? Yeah. Uh, is this a situation where they just create an interim champion? Uh, or is it like, like I said, does Cody win money in the bank and they bring Roman in and they cash it in on like a SmackDown or something? Uh, that seems like something they would do. I don't know why you would waste that match like that, but that's very much something they could do. But I would say all eyes are pointed on Cody with how much money they're paying him and the push that they're giving him right now on TV to be the guy to take at least, like I said, at least one of those belts. It's WWE, so they could just become a weird bullshit where you have to pick to choose for, or like work it out where Paul Heyman's like, you can only challenge for one of the titles uh, kind of deal. So you could still give Roman whatever belt you want to protect that out. Um, hopefully they don't do that, but that, that would be my guess because it's WWE. Uh, interesting stuff. I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad Roman is getting some time off though because, you know, you can. I could see him easily getting burned out. I mean, we've seen it happen with, with Punk and uh, people in the past. Not everyone's John Cena. They can do it for like fucking twenty hundred years. John Cena is like the <laughs> modern Bruno San Martino, though. It's fucking yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, like even some of the lesser known people, like Miz and uh, like Dolph Ziggler, and and some of these guys have had more time. Than Roman <laughs> at this point, you know what I mean. So like uh, him getting ten weeks off, I got absolutely no problem with it. It should be up to WWE to be building stars to fill that gap when he's gone. Mm -hmm. So uh, they got Cody, they got this IC belt. Push the IC belt as the main belt if, if you're if you don't want to do a title swap. Make us care about that belt again. Am I gonna have Cody win that and bring back the uh, the white 
IC belt again like he did. But yeah. he was the fucking one that did that originally, right? <laughs> well, you know that he said that he wants to bring if he wins the world title, and I think he kind of put it as when he wins the world title. Um, you know, you got to be confident as babyface. Uh, he wants to bring back the uh, winged eagle belt. I don't know if they'll let him, but he he says that just like he did with the IC belt, if he gets that title, he wants to bring back the the one that he knows uh, the best. And God, I miss that title. I, that's pretty much everyone's favorite WWE title, right? Like as far as like actual WWF WWE belts go, heavyweight yeah. belts. That's probably. I mean, that has to be like their best seller, I would think, as far as like retro titles go. That or the white IC belt. Um, I, yeah, I can't blame him on that. I would probably bring back Big Goldie just because it has more in line with NWA and would have been something probably the closest they would get to actually having an NWA title, which is what is, you know, what Dusty would have had. Uh, but since they're playing that into the storyline. Um, but yeah, well, at least Cody's had the, the, uh, the, the at least he's had the 10 pounds of gold, though, within his track record, you know, if that doesn't happen. That's true. I think they should bring back the uh, Daniel Bryan eco-friendly hip belt. Because <laughs> <laughs> that belt was the best looking belt they've had. New belt they've had in a very long time. And it was supposed to be just a joke. <laughs> Did you get a chance to watch the uh, the Broken Skull Ranch with uh, Cody? Because it was probably one of my favorite ones they've done recently. I have not. I did not get a chance to watch that. I heard it was very good. Um, I did see the house show footage of the dude dressed like Dusty. That was awesome. Which was pretty awesome because he was able to do a pretty good impersonation. Watching Cody just laugh and enjoy that so much was was great. It's cool that he's able to have those kind of interactions. It's good to see that they're doing more of that stuff with house shows. Because like Austin used to do shit like that with people and stuff at house shows. So, um it so gives weird you more that... of a reason to go to a house show. That's for sure. <laughs> Chris, if I said a year ago, hey, Cody Rhodes is going to go to WWE and Roman's going to probably take less dates and he might become the focal point as far as the baby face to carry the fucking WWE, you probably would have said that I was crazy. And I would completely understand. Yeah, I would have said you were crazy. Um, also, you know, would have thought that Cody would have found a way to turn heel and figure a way out to win the AEW title by now. Because yeah. that was my original prediction when they made that bullshit stipulation. I was like, okay, well, maybe Tony Khan's like you have MJF win the belt. I think this is what I predicted was MJF wins the belt. And he's a fucking dick. He's got a bunch of people running house on people similar to the Four Horsemen. And like Tony Khan's like, we got to get this fucking show under control. And he's like, you have to have a title match. I thought that was what they were going to go with because that feud was so hot between him and the MJF. And Obviously, they didn't do that. <laughs> so, well, Cody, yeah. Cody was trying to get as many TNT runs as John Cena does WWE title runs, U.S. title runs as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too. Uh, all right, well, um, yeah, that's 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 kind of one last thing though. That kind of goes all into this, and um, you know, we're talking about some guys that WWE sees obviously potential in. I loved seeing Kenny, and I showed you this. I love seeing Kenny Omega's reaction to that fan, who was like, "Kenny Omega would just destroy Roman Reigns." Blah, blah. I don't know what the fuck it was exactly, but it was just stupid Marcus shit. And he said, "Honestly, that's their top guy, so I'm sure we'd have a really great match." And I've heard Kenny in the past say that 
You know, he'd love to have a match with Roman Reigns, and it's kind of it, obviously not to the same level because wrestling just not as popular as it once was. But it's like the Flair, fucking Hogan concept of of this time period in wrestling. So it was nice and refreshing to not see stupid shit like that. Just you know. To have someone basically say something like that, that, that was nice to see Kenny Omega make a comment like that. That's all. He just seems like a yeah, cool dude. Yeah, it was dude. cool that he didn't. Yeah, he, I mean, he could have easily took a shot at WWE there if he really wanted to, but he didn't. And why would he? Why would he burn any bridges? He could be making that Cody <laughs> Cody Rhodes money and getting private buses and shit. I want that <laughs> punk money. Um, if he wants to, but I mean, like, I, I don't know. That's very smart. Don't close the door. What if, like, uh, you know, WWE doesn't have Vince McMahon in charge in two or three years or like the company gets bought and they want to do some kind of pay-per-view between AW and WWE. Like why don't go out and bury fucking their top guy, <laughs> right? Either way, like whether it's, you may want to work for that company in the future or like maybe you want to line that dream match up for the fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, and it's also Kenny Omega. He should be able to have a good match with anyone. He's the best, right? I mean, well, that's the thing. It's like you got to think about it. Kenny's wrestled everyone outside of a lot of those guys over in WWE besides Roman. I mean, Kenny and AJ, obviously, that's something he's talked about a million times. Kenny and Seth, Kenny and Cody again, you know, Kenny and Kevin Owens. There's a, an array of new opponents for him to kind of like go against, which is the only reason I could see Kenny Omega not going, not staying in AEW, going back to New Japan and trying WWE's just. WrestleMania, title reign, brand new, you know, people to go against. Uh, but he's getting close to 42, so who knows what he's going to do. Yeah. It's also baffling that fans still have that perspective of Roman Reigns after the great run he's had um, over so the past. Uh, and also, like, Kenny Omega had a great match with Moose. And I would say, like... Maybe Moose is a little better in ring than Roman, but Roman's a bigger star, right? So that factors into what they could do as a match. Like if you wanted an example match of what, you know, Roman and Kenny could do, it would be something similar to that, which would be fucking great, <laughs> right? So <laughs> exactly. uh, I don't understand fans like that. I mean, I think it. I think it's cool to think it's always been cool to think about those matches even going back to something like you said hogan or rick flair when flair was in wcw and then um i mean sting and taker like that's always been the fun thing to talk about it's just fans are getting spoiled now because the cena and aj yes yeah like it was always like we want to see this um some of them we've gotten to see but you know roman might be a lot of people's white well if they're in other companies just because like what else are you going to have to wrestle that guy? He's their top guy. He's the biggest res like whether people want to admit it or not, like Roman is the biggest star in wrestling. He's at the top of the fucking mountain in WWE, which makes him by default, the biggest star, the most watched person. There's a reason why people like Kenny Omega, Kazuchika Okada, Moose, all of them have said, basically they'd love to have a match with Roman Reigns. Whether or not you guys want to admit it, when you're fans of other organizations, he's still a top guy within the whole entire scope of professional wrestling today. So, not only know. is he a top guy, he was, you know, voted second best wrestler in PWI 500. 
<laughs> yeah. It wins in both of both of our top tens and most other people's top tens. So maybe reevaluate yourself as a wrestling fan if you're just out here being shitty for no reason. <laughs> yep, I agree. And the second uh, favorite tweet I wanted to mention that I saw online, much more funny than anything. Um, someone said starting a petition for WWE to bring back Damian Sandow as Elias because he's proved he has the acting skills to pull it off. And I think they should definitely do that. <laughs> Kevin Owens will shit a fucking brick. Uh, stupid humor phenomenal. I actually enjoy. Yeah, Kevin Owens is the only thing that's made that work. Yeah, And that just fucking absolutely. shows how great Kevin Owens is, really. Not that, like, Elias has been bad in this role, but... Uh, I, I'm like, are they going to turn Elias into Ultimate Warrior? Are you starting to wear fucking tassels? I don't know, man. <laughs> the Elias Warrior, I think, would be very, very well needed. Uh, uh, All right. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Well, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Impact before we get into the, uh, the big shows, the uh, review of uh, WrestleMania Backlash from WWE last weekend. We're going to do a preview for the... Um, Capital Collision, uh, American pay-per-view tonight with New Japan. Um, basically, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious tonight, Chris, if we're going to get some uh, AEW people showing up more so than the ones in matches already uh, to set up things for the future. And then we will talk about AEW. We'll go over Dynamite. Uh, nothing wrong on SmackDown. They pretty much are on cruise control, but we'll definitely get into Backlash. But let's. I, I'm just going to go over, Chris, all the matches real quick for Under Siege. And we'll wrap it up about some of the stuff that happened on Impact last week that's setting up for Slammiversary. So we had Giselle Shaw versus Madison Rain, in which she won to get them a uh, tag team title match, Giselle and Alicia Edwards. And Alicia Edwards proved that she is the most inefficient female wrestler and fucking lost for him. So there you go. Chris Sabin uh, defeated uh, Steve Macklin. Didn't see that coming, but they had a good match. Tav Valkyrie uh you know, had a rematch with Deanna Prazo and beat her uh, for the Reyes del Reyes championship. Ace Austin uh, defeated Trey Miguel, got the Impact uh, X uh, division championship. Honor No More defeated the Bullet Club. Tasha Steeles defeated Havoc. And then the Briscoes went against Spawn by Design, got those tag titles. So now them boys are the Impact World Tag Team Champions, also the GCW World Champions and then Josh Alexander had a pretty awesome match with Tomohiro Ishii and got the Impact World Championship retained. Uh, and we'll talk about who he's going to be going against at Slammiversary. But, um, you know, fun pay-per-view, some really good matches. Um, Taya and Diana put on another great match. Uh, Ace Austin and Trey Miguel, I didn't see him getting the title from him, but also had a good match. Uh, Briscoe's won the tag titles. I can't complain about that. And then you end it with the cherry on top, Josh Alexander, Ishii, and just having a badass match where Josh would retain and put on an almost 30-minute technical match with uh, one of New Japan's finest, Chris. Yeah, and probably the best Ishii match I've seen in um, in the States in a while because he's right? kind of been all, all over the place. That was a really good fucking match. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I like Violent by Design a lot. I thought that was a good tech match. I think it's going to be more interesting with what they set up on Impact this week um, with putting uh, Doring in the match, um, rotating out kind of their, you know, Eric Young and 
and those cats rotating them out a little bit to go against uh, in their rematch, at least against the Briscoes. That should be fun. Also, the promo of them talking about cutting his big ass down like a cheer tree was pretty fucking funny because it's the Briscoes. Uh, Chris Saban continuing to get a push, getting some strong wins. I don't know if that's just to keep Motor City Machine Guns fresh in people's minds um, or what. Bullet Club losing to Honor No More. Why? <laughs> they, they've just been on a losing streak lately, uh, constantly. Chris Bay lost. Uh, they just lose now, I guess, on Impact. I know, but it seemed like they were doing. They were putting fucking Chris Bay over with like yeah. pushing him because of the matches that he had. Is kind of the highlight reel in those Motor City Machine Gun matches with some of the shit he was doing. Uh, so I'm kind of surprised by that, but. Whatever. I mean, they want to continue down the road with this honor no more storyline that I've been done with. It should have been done as soon as, as soon as Ring of Honor was bought by Tony Khan, and none of these fuckers were on their paper like Ring of Honor's pay per view. It's like the association there, and not really having a big Ring of Honor star as part of it is uh, has made me not care about it. That and it's mostly just been PCO versus Jonah for what seems like forever. Um, they lost the, a couple big men too. Uh, w Morrissey is going to be done with his contract soon, and Jonah w- is done. And there was one other person I can't remember. I can look it up, but there was another big guy uh, that's now left Impact. So I'm glad that you mentioned Jonah's name. I forgot about that. Yeah, W Morrissey is a, a weird one because the match he had against Wardlow seemed like an audition match for AEW, with the amount of. Uh, the amount of what he got in the ring versus Wardlow and the fact he only took one power bomb, which was probably to protect him on impact as well. Like that was a very interesting choice. So I wonder if that's already kind of in the works to bring him in. Um, especially with his contract coming up. I, I do know. That oh, the, Willie uh, Mack, Willie Mack's the other guy. Joan and Willie Mack are done. But Willie, dude, Willie Mack. Fucking awesome. No, I was just going to say, he's fucking awesome. Someone needs to grab him. He's a luchador junkyard dog. I mean, give me a goddamn break. Yeah, I wonder where he would land, though. I don't know. It'd be really cool to see him, like, in New Japan Strong. Like, I think that would be cool. I don't know that... I don't don't know... Maybe he would be making the same money if they let him work indie dates and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't, he's great. He's fucking great in the ring. I just, it, I don't like AEW is shedding roster right now, and I don't know that they would bring Willie Mack in at any high level. Maybe Ring of Honor. We don't know what they're doing with that yet. If they're relaunching that as its own separate thing. Willie Mack would be great there. Absolutely. And let's go over uh, a little bit from Impact. Some stuff, like I said, it's, uh, you know, building towards Slammiversary. Uh, right off the bat, like I said, Kenny King now qualified for the Ultimate X match, uh, beating Chris Bay. Didn't see that coming, but I do like, and I have had liked uh, Kenny King for a while. So, but once again, Bullet Club is uh, kind of on the outs, I would say, Chris, when it comes to <laughs> their win-loss record recently. Just in general. I mean, they, they lose again against Jay White and ELP, which is, I'm sorry, but I definitely get a 1997 Triple H Xbox vibe when the two of them are on each post doing their thing. But uh, they lost to Ishii and uh, the champion Josh Alexander. So 
you know. Bullet Club? Yeah. It, it's weird, but Bullet Club, I'm assuming, is going to be fucking a big part of AEW coming up. That's what I'm thinking. I think you're right about them kind of petering out a bit now with impacts, but I don't know. It's crazy. The only part that's weird about that is Anderson and Gallows are locked into a, a, at least another year, right, with impacts? Yep. So it's going to be, I don't know. It, we, we just saw Morrissey show up from impact under contract. So maybe they're trying to put their guys over as much as possible because they're not sure what's going to happen with that New Japan pay-per-view. But uh, yeah, I don't interesting shit to say the least. But Bullet Club's definitely been on a losing streak. Yep, absolutely. Um, another big thing that I'm looking forward to this match, uh, Tasha Steeles is going to be in a Queen of the, Queen of the Mountain uh, match for the Knockouts Championship, and it's going to be her going against Chelsea Green, Deanna Perrazzo, Jordan Grace, and Mia Yim, all past champions. I was kind of thrown off because Ty Valkyrie ended up coming out uh, with Jordan Grace to break up the beatdown that happened. Um, but I don't think Ty is a part of it, but still, I mean, I love all these ladies. It was good seeing Mia Yim back, uh, you know, again. Um, glad that she's there. And any of them, if they get the title, if Tasha keeps it, that helps out her legacy. Chelsea Green could be champion again. Deanna Prazo, Jordan Grace, Mia Yim. It seems like that will be a good, uh, you know, all over the place uh, ladies match at this pay-per-view. Should I say women's it sh- match? It should. Uh, it should be, but I hate the King of the Mountain matches. <laughs> so they're like, I can't even remember all the rules. What of is it? Gen- it's like, don't they have? It's like kind of like a Gotland match, but I-, I can't remember exactly how it works. It's been so long since I watched them, but they've always been notoriously kind of bad. Well, um, hopefully they can change that perspective. I don't know, uh, Mia Yim. I, I don't think they're ready to pull the belt off Tasha. Tasha Steeles is going to be in the match, right? That's confirmed. She's the champion. Yep. I know she was hurt. Um, Tasha, Chelsea Green, Deanna Perrazzo, Jordan Grace, and Mia Yim. King of the Mountain, I think that's an OGQ match. Do you see Chelsea Green getting the title here? They could definitely put it on her. Um, I think any any of the women that I could see Deanna Perrazzo winning this. I could see Jordan Grace winning this. I could see Mia Yim because she's back. Like, this is actually one where I don't know exactly who's going to win it, but I like the match itself. I just don't know what the fuck a Queen of the Mountain match. I, I mean, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll research while you're talking right now about that, find out the rules. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. I mean, it was it's a match that Jeff Hart, like um, Jeff Jarrett created, so it's been around since, like, the early days of NWA TNA, and I just remember never seeing a really good one. It's always got some impact, going to impact kind of shit in it. Um, Sounds like it. Some reason I think it's got some kind of weird gauntlet rules against the champion. Um, but I can't remember if, like, if it's like an elimination battle royal. I know, it, I know it's no DQ. I can't remember exactly what it is because it's been so long since I watched one. But they've always been known as being notoriously bad. So it's, I, I would rather just like maybe have picks like four of these female wrestlers and thrown them into Ugh. like a just a elimination match 
I'm reading these <laughs> rules. This sounds so stupid. All right, so the five. This is the Wikipedia definition for King of the Mountain, uh, Queen of the Mountain, whatever match. The five competitors in the match start out as ineligible to win. In order to become eligible, a wrestler must score a pinfall or submission on the opponent. The opponent who submits is put in a two-minute penalty box, box cage. Um, more than one wrestler can be in the cage. This often results in wrestlers fighting inside the cage and or forming some sort of alliances. So you have to win one over the person in order to be eligible to pin people to actually progress the match. Right. What the fuck? Are they trying to like mix this with hockey, or what the fuck is this? It's really weird. Like I said, it's almost a gauntlet match for the champion. And it obviously was created because Jeff Jarrett was pushing himself very strong. So the majority of these original King of the Mountain matches is just like fucking Jeff Jarrett beating everybody's ass. <laughs> From what I remember, like I said, I don't remember them being very good. And also, if it takes you more than 30 seconds to explain the rules of a match, you've probably overcomplicated the motherfucker. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, even like I like their gauntlet for the gold, which is the last thing that happened to find out who is going to be the number one contender to go against Josh Alexander at Slammiversary. It was fun, but it's it's basic rules. It's a battle royal. Two people start every 90 seconds. Someone else comes in until you're down to the last two people. And then it becomes a one on one match where it's pin or submission. I actually like the format for that, but I'm not a big fan of that last one that we just talked about. (laughs) Gotta admit uh, I kind of wish they would do something like that with the Royal Rumble, and maybe I do like, like the last last four people instead of just the last two. Like make it because it always turns into a four way match at the end of fucking Royal Rumble, anyways. And it seems like they've had some kind of fart finishes. Uh, the Ronda Rousey win comes to mind uh, when she won the Rumble. It's like okay, fucking Charlotte just went directly out. <laughs> like. No you get shit. all that build up like why not just do like a short i mean it doesn't obviously a lot of times there's they've been in there for a while but why not just at least do a short two minute match and do a pin or submission or something so i kind of i I'm, I'm with you i think that's a better way to handle battle royals especially for the final people you want in there yeah no i agree and this one was booked really well it started off with chris saban and coincidentally alex shelley and they wrestled for a while, just, you know, good competitive nature. And then Eddie Edwards came in. Edwards is like, fuck, because he's got to step in there with the mostly machine guns. So they obviously double team him and beat the shit out of him. Then Vincent comes out to help out Eddie Edwards. So then it becomes kind of like a tag match. The next person, Steve Macklin, who doesn't have an allegiance with anyone, but kind of goes with the heels just to help him out. Um, which I'm really, like I said, I like Steve Macklin. Shark Boy made an appearance next, comes out, gets a couple stunners, and uh, gets gets thrown out pretty uh, quickly uh, by Eddie Edwards afterwards. But it was fun seeing him come out. Uh, Raj Singh comes out, uh, then Trey Miguel, then Bupinder uh, Gujar, who I will continue to say is great. He eliminates Raj Singh to keep on uh, adding to their, their uh, storyline. And um, Macklin would throw out Trey Miguel for pass bullshit, obviously. Just Gujar has great punches. I mean, the kid is so damn talented. He's tall. He's muscular. He gives me, like I said, Snuka or even, you know, uh, Sabu feel when it comes to it. Uh, Shara on the other, uh, who came out at 10, don't, uh, don't, don't feel as much for. He's a big guy, 
but he's green as fuck and, uh, you know, just kind of awkward in the ring. So, but Gujar's great. He gets eliminated later on by uh, Eric Young, but we'll get there. Uh, after Shira, uh, Morrissey comes out, eliminates him. Then Eric Young comes out. Uh, and then Johnny Swinger comes out uh, right off the bat, gets eliminated by Eric Young. Black Taurus comes out, causes a stir. Heath comes out. Rhino comes out. Then Moose comes out and then beats uh, both Rhino, Heath, and Black Taurus, eliminating all of them pretty quickly. Uh, it gets down to Rick Swan coming out next. Uh, and then uh, and then all of a sudden Aiden English came in. He he was the next person. He threw off the person, uh, Rich Swan, uh, with Matt Cardona's music, came up from behind him, knocked him out, only to get eliminated very quickly right after that by PCO. So that was interesting. And then um, Sammy Callahan, it was, it was basically down to uh, Eric Young, um, PCO, and Moose. And Moose, uh, you know, looks like he's going to eliminate and, and win this match. Lights go out. Lights come on. Sammy Callahan, who's not in the match, but if you go over the ropes, you go over the ropes, attacks Moose uh, and eliminates him. So they're going to continue that storyline going forward. Uh, and then uh, whatchamacallit, PCO uh, is eliminated by Eric Young. So Eric Young is now going to be the person... Uh, oh, no, no, it was Eric. Steve Macklin was the other guy. Macklin eliminated PCO, and it was uh, Steve Macklin, Eric Young. I thought Steve Macklin was going to win. Eric Young eliminates him. Eric Young will be going against Josh Alexander. So now his his guys are going to be going for the titles against the Briscoes. He's going for the main title at anniversary. I'm sure this might be lackluster to some, but I love Eric Young. I think he's a great wrestler. He's a great heel. So if they want to push him into this spot... I don't think he should take the title, but he'll be a great opponent for Josh Alexander, I will say, at Slammiversary. Chris? Yeah, I, I agree with you, and um, it makes it interesting with Briscoe's being there in Motor City Machine Guns and you kind of having a feud already kind of built in with Violet by Design with some of these other groups. I I I don't know. Like, do you, you can't put the title on Eric Young because Josh Alexander just won it, and I feel like he's going to be holding that thing for a while. They just re-signed his contract, but it, uh, it it sets up some interesting feuds even coming out of that. And the way they're pushing Saban is he next for Josh Alexander because that seems to be the case to me. But uh, those are good people to beat. That's for damn sure. Uh, but Josh Alexander, fucking great. Eric Young, fucking great. That should be a banger of a match. You know, Eric Young's going to go in there and give 110 fucking percent. Uh, so I'm excited about that match. I know it's not like the sexy match people are probably looking for, but should be a damn good title match. I mean, Josh Alexander's had good matches with everybody. Sammy Callahan coming back. That is interesting. Him and Moose. I think that's a good thing for Moose to do because you kind of want to remove him from the title picture a little bit at this point, mm -hmm. especially after the feud he just had with Alexander. So... Uh, him and Sammy Callahan beating the shit out of each other. I'm 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 down with that. It's gonna be weird to see Moose uh, inevitably wrestle some kind of fucked up hardcore match against Sammy Callahan. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, <laughs> this should be fun. Are they gonna do like the monster? They're gonna do like a monsters ball match between those two at some point. That would be. 
It'd be interesting. I mean, it'd be fun to watch. Uh, sucks for Moose a little bit, honestly, because I feel like he's probably, if not their biggest star, their second biggest star, as far as like home built impact talent goes. Yeah, uh, another thing I forgot to mention that could definitely be at Slammiversary, there was a stare down between W. Morrissey and PCO. And now that PCO doesn't have Jonah to go back and forth with, I'm wondering if that's going to be one of the matches on the pay-per-view as well. Should be should be pretty good. Where did Jonah sign with? Uh, I think he's going to New Japan. He wants to be the next Bam Bam Bigelow, he said. That's the fucking great signing. I think we've talked we talked about that when he got released from um, NXT, right? Yep, it was one of the landing spots that they don't have anyone like that, really. No, Especially the closest Gaiji. thing is uh, Bad Luck Fale, but I think he's getting a little bit uh, he's beat up. Fale's a little bit up there in age, but that's the closest thing I would say to a big guy over in New Japan. And Jonah's been having some great matches in Impact, so that'll be I don't know him versus Evil. Fuck yeah, let's hell do yeah. That. <laughs> let's, let's do exactly that uh, yeah I don't know there's some interesting matches for Jonah um, it sucks that he's leaving Impact though because it seemed like they were building him up for a run um, also Lance Lance Storm being back and road agenting most of these main event matches for the past bunch of shows plus like the pay-per-views it, it's they've been pretty good shit so shout out Lance Storm dude if he had anything to do with that battle royal, that was really well executed. It, it, the feuds that were within it, that excelled Sammy and, and Moose, that was set up. Uh, if Morrissey and PCO have a match, but also having it having it start with the two guys from Motion and Machine Guns, they fight, and then you have Eddie Edwards come in, then you have Vincent come in. Like it was, it was very well put together. I will say that was very impressive. Usually battle royals suck and they go all over the place. I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard him. I mean, I'm sure he'll talk about it uh, on his podcast with Alvarez. Then the next one they do, because they kind of hold off on the TV taping stuff. But uh, I know for the pay-per-view, he did. He agented the Ishii match. And then the one before that, he agented the Moose-Alexander match. So he's heavily involved with the title. And both of those matches were really fucking good. So uh, it's it's fun to hear him after it comes out talk about agenting being an agent for the match and, and talking about Ishii being like a super nice guy was pretty great. So if you guys haven't heard those podcasts, those they're worth searching down. And I'm sure uh, that, uh, that, uh, Lance and Josh, I'm sure they love working with each other since they're both Canadian wrestlers, technical guys have a lot in common in those aspects. That'd be a good person to work with. Yeah. Them. It's cool that they got Lance back because after he got fired from WWE and had the no compete and had closed his wrestling school, I thought maybe he was done. But to see him kind of get pulled back in the fold and be doing some of these, agenting some of these matches, the main event, the main event specifically with Josh Alexander, the, the, yep. all of the shit he's been doing recently has been great. So, all right, well, uh, let's go over. We got a pay per view tonight. I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it until tomorrow, but I'm looking forward to it regardless. Capital Collision. Uh, it is over at Washington, D.C., but New Japan will be having, it looks like, uh, Impact guys and also AEW guys within the matches. And like I said, the biggest thing for me for this, does this end up, do, do people come out, you know, and set up certain things with certain wrestlers at this for the Forbidden Door uh, AEW New Japan pay-per-view coming up in June? 
But uh, first match we have is uh, I know Ren Narita, but I don't know Carl Fredericks. And I know this is going to be a lot of New Japan strong people, but you know, then you also have people like Will Ospreay, Tanahashi, and so on, Okada, all at this event. But um, I, I like Ren Narita. Uh, reminds me a lot of Shibata, so I'm going to go with him on this, Chris, against Carl Fredericks, who I'm not. Is is he? Was he a Ring of Honor guy? Uh, Carl Fredericks, I only know him from really New Japan Strong, and I know he's trained in the dojo, especially with like uh, Rocky Romero and some of those cats. And he was, they were wanting to put him, actually move him to New Japan, um, like the ap- actual Japanese product, but because of COVID and stuff, that kind of put a halt on that. So I could see him winning here. I know they're very high on him. He's he's pretty great in the ring, but it, that should be a good match. Oh, hell yeah. <clears throat> All right, so we have a big old 10-man tag team match. The DKC, uh, Yuya, Uyamura, uh, David Finley, Tongalo, and Fred Rosser going against Team Filthy, uh, Jarrell Nelson, Royce Isaacs, J.R. Kratos, Danny Limelight, and the champion himself, uh, New Japan Strong uh, Openweight Champion, Tom Filthy Lawler. Um, I'm going to go Team Filthy on this. Um, just seems like David Finley and, and Tongalo both have not been having the best time as of lately. You know, Juice Robinson turning on David, uh, joining Bullet Club, and obviously Tomatanka getting quote-unquote injured uh, from the Bullet Club and Tongalo. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be their night. I think Tom Lawler is going to get the pin and probably put his foot on someone's chest uh, holding the New Japan Strong. Um, open weight championship in the air, Chris. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to go with Filthy Tom. I feel like this feud with him and Fred Rosser has been going for forever, but <laughs> uh, you stick with Team Filthy on this one, and uh, mostly because I'm a Filthy Tom mark. Hey, he's going to be there with, uh, hey, hey, AW, if you're looking for a guy to add to that black, what is it, the black, uh, pool like, combat the, club, man. <laughs> now I just want guy. a match between him and Moxley. <laughs> Why'd you say right. that? Him, That'd be him awesome. Moxley or him and Brian? That'd be fucking him and Yuta. Shit, let's do it. We got Moxley on the show later, right? So you know, I, uh, that's where I think some of that tie-in might happen. But we'll, we'll get there as we continue. <laughs> All right, we got the Great Ocon going against Chase Owens. This should be a good match because Chase is a good wrestler and. But the one I have less interest in, but I'm going to say Greg O'Conn because he's part of Will Ospreay's faction. And uh, I don't know. Maybe Chase is a part of Bullet Club. I don't know if there might be some bullshit. But who do you got, Greg O'Conn or Chase Owens? Man, um, I'm going to go with Greg O'Conn. He's improved a lot. I don't think he's, like, the best, but they seem to be giving him a push. So um, I'll I'll go with Greg O'Conn here. I don't know any of the dudes pretty much besides like two of them on this next eight-man tag team match. It's got to be a lot of strong people. But uh, United Empire, Aaron Hennera, and I know this is Will Ospreay's group, but uh, Kyle uh, Fletcher, Mark Davis, and then, of of course, Mr. Jeff Cobb going against TMDK, Mikey Nichols, Shane Haste, and then this is Jonah actually coming out um, with them. So I guess this is his first match for New Japan. But so obviously all I give a fuck about is Jeff Cobb and Jonah getting in the ring. 
And whoever wins between the two of them is going to be the winner of the match. So there you go. That's what I got. Yeah, being that I think both of those guys will be in the G1, I think Jonah might actually get a win here. Um, and then you set that match up, you put them in the same bracket so you can get the match again. Uh, so, it's like yeah, a modern wanna... Dr. Death Bam Bam Bigelow match, man. In all Japan. Should be, should be a really good match. Fucking um, Jeff Cobb has been having a pretty damn good run in New Japan. By the way, it's kind of been, we we talked about it a bit. It's been a little slept on, but like his run in the G1 um, from last year was was pretty fucking great. Like he's he was definitely one of the highlights. He had some really good matches. So this that should be fun. Anytime him and Jonah face off in the ring in the middle of this match, it's gonna be like that's gonna be like one of those things where they look at each other for a while before they <laughs> start beating the shit out of each other. I can see the crowd getting super hyped behind that. Yeah, that should be uh, very interesting. So we have another very interesting match, I'll say. Uh, we got the one of the members of the House of Black, Brody King, going against Minoru Suzuki from Suzuki Gun, obviously. This should be a very hard-hitting match, but I think... I feel like Suzuki's going to win, but this is going to set up because it's already been... Like, Brody King has already put it out there, so I feel like... We're going to have Suzuki Gun and the House of Black kind of have an all-out brawl. And then from there, at the pay-per-view, you have, like... I mean, you could do Lance Archer, but I don't know if that's necessary. I mean, I would say Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., um, don't, you don't have to do Tai Chi. I mean, it makes sense because he used to be tag team champions with Zack Sabre, but maybe uh, El Desperado. But it's, I think Suzuki, Zack Sabre, and either Lance Archer, El Desperado going against, you know, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews at the uh, at the uh, pay-per-view, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, Chris. That's what I'm calling right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say that uh, Brody wins, right? here and then that sets up the match you're talking about that makes a lot of sense i'm just gonna go with the same thing you said because i can't think of anything better to do with that so then we have a match probably the match i'm looking forward to the most oh i don't know the last match is gonna be cool too um but this should be good tamiro ishii going against eddie kingston eddie set this up a couple pay-per-views ago called out ishii they're gonna beat the living fuck out of each other I hope Eddie still has like makeup, making it look like he has a burn mark on his head, like he did at Dynamite. But in in all actuality, I guess Eddie wins this. I mean, it's a New Japan show, but uh, Eddie needs some wins. I feel like, just in general, depends on how much involvement they're going to have with AEW. I could see Jericho screwing over Eddie here. Yeah, that's that's very true. All right. Uh, well, yeah, but especially because Jericho sorry. is still planning on doing some New Japan appearances here and there. Yep, he's talked about it recently. Do you set him and Ishii up? Ishii's pissed off. He interfered in his match. That seems like the, something the Stone Pitbull would be pissed off about. <laughs> and he just goes after him. Yeah, I love that idea. All right, uh, Bullet Club, Jay White and Hikaleo going against Okada and Rocky Romero. I think Okada's going to win, and maybe we'll have someone call him out at the end of this match. I don't know. Uh, we don't we don't know who the champion is, but we do know that Okada called out a while ago. Brian Danielson and CM Punk 
CM Punk gave the coordinates for where is now going to be the forbidden pay-per-view over in Chicago. Maybe he comes out cocky and then that, I don't know, because I feel like if you do it there, Chris, I know Okada's over here in the U.S. and that's a big deal, but maybe you can send Punk or Page over there because if, if Punk comes out and challenges him, that makes me think that Punk's definitely beating Adam Page. And I already think that, but it kind of confirms it, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know if they want to give away that. So maybe no one comes out at the end of it. It's just Okada being Okada. Yeah, I mean, I think Okada is going to win this match against Rocky Romero. Um, so it's you... Jay White and Hikaleo with him and Rocky Romero. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tech, that makes more sense. Um, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okada is going to get the win, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Does someone I come did... out, though, and challenge him from AEW? Well, there are like it's not on this show. Is it's on the new? It's on the actual New Japan show. They're doing Moxley, Osprey, Tanahashi. That's this show. That's the next match. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, Daniel Bryan would be the guy, right? Well, that's the thing. It's like, do you have Bryan Danielson a part of uh, the Blackpool Combat Club? Because we all want Bryan Danielson and Okada, but do you have him and Moxley and Yuta going against someone? like a three-man group, or do you put Brian Danielson against Okada? And then if Okada's going against Brian Danielson, who are you going to put either Page or CM Punk, the champion, going against at that pay-per-view? Because I would think that champion versus champion is very intriguing as well. Yeah, I mean, with the belt the belt was planned to go on Will Ospreay before uh, he got COVID, and they had to throw it on Tanahashi. Do you just do if you're going to do a champion versus champion? Would you rather it be, or would you rather just do Will Ospreay versus CM Punk? Sure, and, that, that could then, work too. And you can have both your heavyweight champions go over, whether you're New Japan or. Uh, That's smart. Because if you if you do, the thing about if you do Okada and CM Punk, it's going to be a time limit draw. <laughs> yeah. Because neither, neither company is going to want either of their champions to lose. Unless they're going to set up a rematch for one in another one in America and another one in Japan, that that would have to be like a three series thing. Hey, you sold me, man. Because if we get Punk and Osprey, if we get Punk and Osprey, I want to say that I when we made that that mock up pay per view and I forgot Adam Page, I think it makes a lot of sense for Adam Page to go against Shingo Takagi. Uh, but CM Punk and Will Osprey and him going over Osprey as champ. Okada going against Brian Danielson. Okada going over Danielson as champ. That makes a lot of fucking sense. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think it just protects you from getting in a situation where everyone knows the match is going to be a time limit draw. Yeah, and not only that, like I said, if Punk comes out and he's like, I'm going to beat you and I'm going to beat Paige, that kind of assures everyone that he's going to beat Paige because why the fuck would he come out for Okada if we don't think the champion's going against the other champion? You know what I'm saying? So that kind of puts him in a weird place. Uh, but I, I expect something. But if nothing happens, it's probably because they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do, is what I'm assuming. Right. Yeah, All right, so you I said agree. it. Four-way match, IWGP United States Championship. The former champion, Moxley, is going against Will Ospreay, against the former champion, Joseph Robinson, against the current champion, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, there is a good chance that this really becomes... Moxley and Tanahashi taking themselves out of the match and one of the other guys winning it. 
because I feel like Moxley is going to be going against Tanahashi at the Forbidden Door pay-per-view because he's been calling him out, and now he has to do a four-way match against him. So I I could see Mox being Mox, and uh, that's a bigger deal than getting back that U.S. title is fucking over Tanahashi and, and setting up a match for them in the future. But I could be wrong. But uh, Will Ospreay with the United States belt, that's an interesting concept. And Juice is now part of a Bullet Club, so maybe they put it on him for that reason. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it is going to be Osprey just because that was the original plan before he got COVID. So there you it, go. it, makes a, it makes a lot of sense to put the belt on him. Tanahashi doesn't need that fucking belt. That belt means nothing to Tanahashi. The U.S. belt, <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't. He should just start trying to like pay for convenience store food like Na- Naito with that thing. <laughs> you want him to do with the uh, U.S. belt what, what Naito did with the IC belt? That's hilarious. <sighs> that that's what we need is the uh, <laughs> the Will o- or the, the Tanahashi heel turn this this far into his career. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. All right, the, the last match. This this is this being promoted as the last match. I don't know if it is based on what we just talked about, but this is still pretty interesting. Uh, Bullet Club member Kenta. We'll be going against Jay Lethal. Uh, Jay Lethal will probably have Sanjay Dutt and uh, Singh in his corner. I'm assuming Kenta, unless he's not a part of Bullet Club, will have Bullet Club members in there, and I don't, I don't believe he left. But I feel like Kenta had a history of matches with Samoa Joe. Is Joe going to get involved in this and fuck over Jay Lethal? But this should be this is an interesting match put together between Kenta and Jay Lethal. I'm going to go with Jay Lethal. Actually, Jay Lethal better line. That's that's more how I feel. Yeah, I think I I, I think I, I'm just not a big fan of Kenta, so I'm just gonna go with Jay Lethal on <laughs> principle. <laughs> I don't know that Kenta's been good in like 15 years. I'm just being completely honest. He's really stiff and he looks really beat up, basically. Like. Th- <laughs> My fondest memory of Kenta is when Kevin Owens jumped him in a parking lot. (laughs) 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 So not, not a big Kenta fan in general. I just never really liked his work that much. Um, And he does work really stiff and he doesn't have the mobility he even had when he was younger, but I don't know. Yeah. His, his mentor, uh, Kenta Gobashi was a little bit more fluid in the ring. I would say. (laughs) Well, Well, Kenta, like, Prior to even prior to NXT, I mean, he had took he had a really bad injury in NXT, and I think that slowed him down quite a bit. I think he like tore his, I want to say he, like tore his ACL or something. And that's why Kevin Owens had to beat him up in the parking lot. <laughs> and then he that just like parking lot, dude. He's never been the same since then, especially this current New Japan run. Like I can't think of even even the G1 matches he's had with some of the best opponents you could put him against. He just hasn't really had a a, a solid match. Um. So I don't know that this will be any different, even though I completely love Jay Lethal and think he's great. I just don't know how much he's going to get out of Kenta. Do you think Joe's coming out to cause some shit at all? Uh, if Jay Lethal and their group start beating down Kenta after the match, but Kenta's in the Bullet Club. That's so what I'm saying. Set up like a... Uh, I mean, because Joe's not going to join the Bullet Club, so they get... I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do there. But you heard yeah. it here first. Joe is, is is joining Bullet Club. Joe is Bullet Club. <laughs> if Joe is Bullet Club, crazy. I, if, he, if Joe is Bullet Club, <laughs> I expect him and Jay Lethal both in the G1. 
if if Joe is Bullet Club, I expect him to go to Jay White and go, I'm the captain now. <laughs> Maybe those two groups, Bullet Club and uh, Jay Lethal group, is fucking each other up, and then you get uh, since they were they're no longer Bullet Club, you get Gorillas of Destiny and Samoa Joe coming out together. Ooh. Maybe a Haku yeah. appearance. Oh man! <laughs> can we have him and ha- can we have Haku and Samoa Joe just bump into each other and almost do like a stare off real quick, like go back to back? That would be awesome. All right, um, but yeah, looking forward to the pay per view tonight. You want to go over uh, WWE Backlash? Sure. It was surprisingly a really good show. I mean, it was a bunch of rematches, but a really fun show. Dude, what the hell? I mean, b- besides the two WWE, like, Raw or SmackDown matches, uh, yeah, I would say a good portion of this was actually really good. Um, and some of the rematches were better than the fucking pay-per-view matches. Um, I'm going to start off by saying with the first match, I don't know if I would have put this as the first match, honestly. I would have de- actually had Ronda and Charlotte end it, but I don't know. It's like everyone had to try to go after this match. Cody Rhodes and Seth freaking Rollins had a 20-minute banger. Awesome match. It was great because right at the beginning of the match, they showed that Seth, like he said, he had a chance to study Cody. So he's deflecting some of his signature moves, including that drop-down punch to the face that he does, that Dustin does. And um, just really good back and forth. They did this one sequence where... Cody went to do something. Uh, I think he he went to go do his uh, his kick, his ju- his springboard kick, and fucking Seth perfectly caught him into a buckle bomb directly afterwards. Um, there was hints of the pedigree. Actually, at one point, uh, Cody got pedigreed by Seth for a two count, really close, tight two count. But Cody even you know suggested that he was going to do it at some point. Uh, but these guys have great chemistry together. Now, I love Dave LaGreca, and he was kind of going on about these guys. They keep on having matches. They have a chemistry that could be like a a Flair Steamboat or Okada Omega. Calm the fuck down. But I do want to see more matches with these guys. It's obviously going to happen. You know, on Raw, we had Seth in another great match with Cody. Cody had a match with Austin Theory for the U.S. title. Seth fucked him over at the end of it. I would actually... After this, I would do a two out of three match and give Seth his two wins back. He's a heel. He can do it some dastardly way and then have a, and a you know, a last match between the two of them uh, where Cody goes over. Uh, it's not going to make sense if he if Cody just flats out beats Seth in three matches. And it's also not going to make sense if Seth gets one on the board now after he lost twice. So you do a two out of three proposed by Seth. Seth acts like a heel to at least get one of those wins in that match. And then they're even, and then Cody can go on from there to go and push him for whatever, winning the money in the bank. But him and Seth have awesome chemistry, Chris. And I really enjoyed this match. This and the Ronda-Charlotte match, I like this match more, but those are the two favorite matches on the card. Yeah, those are my two favorite matches on the card um, as well. Even though I thought the I thought the the majority of the show was really good in general, but um, they have great chemistry. I liked this match a little better than rest the WrestleMania match. I know some people like the WrestleMania match more. Uh, good shit. Seth needs wins. He's lost his like like last ten matches or some shit. 
because he kept losing week after week after week headed into Mania, which is why he didn't have a spot on Mania, and now he's lost twice to Cody. So your idea of at least giving him a win back over Cody or two wins, a best two out of three or something, makes a lot of sense. Otherwise, he's just a geek that's been getting beat by everybody. And, uh, like, as far as, you know, Seth is always going to be great in the ring, but the fucking Joker character I've been done with for a while. Yeah. Um, so, let's, I don't know, do something. Give him a win. Or if he's going to be the Joker, have him do some dastardly ass shit. You know what I mean? Set that's Cody's when you fucking that's when you fire. can get that's when you can get Brandy involved and it's not going to be as like oh god because you know it's his wife she already knows how to perform as at least as a like the acting type of concept you know get set to do something fucking shitty you know not show up at her house because that's that's just been done to death but like I don't know like she comes out do oh actually do something similar to Chris Jericho and fucking uh. Shawn Michaels, where he ends up like kicking her in the face on accident or something like that, you know, get some, it's gotta be like, I already liked how Seth started like, you know, completely D, uh, going after Dusty saying he doesn't give a shit that he was his teacher basically. And that Dusty couldn't make it in WWE and Cody's going to be just like him. That was great. But all the extra shit around it, it's kind of like, ha ha ha. Yeah. Noises and shit. Just weird. I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be that character, you need to be that character, right? It can't just be the voice. Something like Kidnapping Brady would be interesting. I'd, you know, do you, uh, you could do the Dark Knight. <laughs> I've kidnapped Brady and strapped her to a chair somewhere in this arena. You have to find her and jump Cody Rhodes or just do add something and it, to Seth. And his dog's <laughs> in another location. <laughs> yeah, he's going to choose between Brady and his dog. <laughs> The, the Cody Rhodes heel turn where he picks the dog. <laughs> I don't know if that would be a heel turn to some fans, though, man. You might push him over more as a baby face. You think so? I'll make him more of a baby face. Uh, <laughs> That's fucked up. Um, yeah, sorry, Brady. We're just kidding. Um, we're joking. <laughs> we're joshing you. We're joshing you. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the biggest thing about Seth, Regardless of what they do with the Joker character or whatever, he does need to get some wins to even continue to be put in these high main event matches. Because otherwise, fucking put Kevin Owens in there. <laughs> like, give me Kevin Owens and Cody Rhodes. Or fucking Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes. If you're just going to put people in there to lose against Cody Rhodes, at least give me a different match. Like, I'm sure Cody and Kevin Owens will have just as good as match as him and Seth. They're both very, very competent fucking wrestlers. I think I think they'll be able to do this same quality level <laughs> of match. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's tons of people on that roster that can have good fucking matches with Cody. But WWE thinks that you want to watch the same match 600 times until we get six months later. Chris? I mean, look at this fucking I mean, pay-per-view. It's, it's WrestleMania Backlash. <laughs> they're all rematches yeah, for yeah, the most yeah. part. That's true. They were all good rematches, though, so I'll give them, I'll give them a little bit of credit. Also, they, yeah, I forget that WWE thinks like everything resets <laughs> after WrestleMania anyways, so to them, none of that shit beforehand mattered. <laughs> like, it's just out the window. It's just weird. It's it's weird watching it sometimes. It's just... Uh, just give Seth some wins. He doesn't necessarily have to be- beat Cody, but have him beat some other <laughs> other people before he goes against Cody again. I agree with that. 
All right, next match. We had almost going against Bobby Lashley. Yeah. Um, I'm not completely down on almost like some people that I respect out in the industry are, and I've definitely explained that. Uh, like I agree with MVP that I think, especially based on his age, that he's better than great Kali was. I don't know how Kali felt about that when MVP said that on social media, but maybe he has no idea that he said that. But uh, um, Bobby Lashley really had to lead this match. There was even an awkward spot where almost tried to do the uh, Andre the Giant getting his arms in the ropes caught up, and it looked like Bobby Lashley was basically like guiding him through it. Uh, but it was less than 10 minute match and almost got his win back basically. So I don't know what that says, but how the fuck is Bobby Lashley getting so good later on in his fucking career? Like he's getting a little bit older. Uh, I, I want to say he's pushing 40 if he's not already in his forties and he's probably doing some of the best work he can do. Like even with someone that's pretty fucking hard to work with, like Omas. He's better suited to the WWE style, and he's been specifically working with MVP. That's going to be <laughs> my reasoning on how Bobby Lashley has gotten so good in such a, let's say, short period of time. It's been like, what, a year and almost two years now that he's been in WWE? Yeah. Um, I think putting him with MVP was great, and I, I like this match with him and almost. I think it was almost his best match. Yeah. I think adding the layer of, like, Bobby Lashley is about to beat this fucking guy. And then having MVP fuck him over, that's like, that makes for a good storyline at least. I mean, th I've seen way, I saw way worse matches like that week <laughs> leading into the pay per view than <laughs> this match. So, <laughs> it, like, I, I liked this match. I didn't have as much of a problem with it as other people. I think people just, uh, they don't uh, like almost. I don't know if the appeal like of the big guy reason. doesn't work. And, you know, what sucks is that. I mean, to get a genetic freak like Andre or show, I don't think it's going to happen any fucking time. So to get someone that is so agile for being that size, like it's just that's that's a fucking anomaly. So I that's the one thing. It's kind of hard to live up to that expectation at all. But I mean, if you like Lashley and MVP, the story is more about them anyway. Yes. Because Lashley's eventually just going to be almost again and get his hands on MVP, right? And then that sets up, like, Bobby to do whatever the hell they want him to do after that. Which is either go against Cody or go against Roman or Drew, and you can, you're can you going to get really good matches out of that. So, like, I didn't have a problem with this. I mean, almost is just going to be... Uh, I don't even want to say Braun Strowman, but like a kind of like Big Show... Basically, like a big show, right? Like, um, we'll we'll throw him in here as someone to be scared of, and you know, he'll he'll get a, yeah. a win with M MVP fucking people over, and it's it's how you can build up a great baby face. Like, I, I don't know, I with someone as good as like uh like Austin Theory, like a feud with Austin Theory and almost could be really fun. When Austin Theory finally gets the fucking win over that big guy, like, sure. I think there's lots to do with that character. I, WWE fans in general, um, or actually wrestling fans in general, I should say, the concept of just having a big monster that doesn't like do fucking flips and shit is kind of <laughs> like not, 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 not the same thing it used to be. But you know, he's a big ass dude. <laughs> like that's he. Six, he doesn't four. need to do a. He doesn't need to do a fucking flip, bro. <laughs> like almost is like what seven seven foot four he's like shack size 
And he's 27. <laughs> yeah, like, he's, uh, like, if he hit me, I would probably die in real life. <laughs> you know I, mean? I hope he doesn't hit you, man. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm five foot six. He's, like, almost double my height. <laughs> Actually is double, uh, like, not double my height, but you know, he's, like, two feet taller than me almost. <laughs> Fucking, uh, I mean, his his matches don't have to be great. They just have to make sense in storyline. Putting MVP with him that can talk and and when a baby face is about to beat this monster, he can fuck them over. I mean, that's very Bobby Heenan. I think it's smart. It's fine. I have no problem with it. Yep, I agree. And remember, like, not you, but like fans in general, we all loved Andre, but when we saw Andre, which was what? 15 years into his career, probably at that point, maybe close to 20. That duration of time, he wasn't what he was in the 70s, where he was doing drop kicks and elbow drops and fucking shit. Look at the big show and how popular he was. He wasn't doing any of that crazy shit since he was a giant when he was doing drop kicks and elbow drops and shit like that. You know, it's just when you're that big, your body deteriorates. So hopefully this guy gets it in the next couple of years. He's still extremely young. And just don't expect him to go off the fucking top ropes. Andre could barely hold himself up in 89 to 90. He had to fucking use the ropes to do that and shit. So I know everyone wants to think to like this perfect time of these giants that could move. But if John Stubb wasn't that great in the ring, I mean, he wasn't. Giant Gonzalez was fucking eight foot almost. And he was terrible. Um, I don't know. Just weird. Big, John, Big John Stud was Big John. St- I, I would say Big John Stud, as far as WWE goes, was above average for big dudes um sure sure yeah but like what they just gave us with with almost and mvp is bobby heenan and andre yeah in less like, than nine there, minutes there's plenty of there's less there but there's also many times where andre even though he is the giant and he's whipping ass the baby face starts to get a big comeback on him and then bobby heenan like fucking fucks him over right to the point where they've had that they even had that happen where uh Andre realizes that Bobby Heenan's getting involved in the match and he fucking grabs Bobby Heenan and gets pissed off about it. So I think that's an, another interesting storyline you can tell. It's just, uh, I don't know. We live in a world where people want to see spots. Almost isn't going to give you a bunch of fucking spots. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's the attention span, man. Uh, still happy that certain matches like the one we'll talk about on Dynamite that started off can still get over, though. But uh, all right, next match, we had Edge and AJ Styles. This is a... I mean, Edge definitely, and he's had to because he's come back from major injury that he had to stop. If he wasn't already beforehand, he's now even much more methodical in the ring, slower paced, and definitely adhering to that. But him and AJ still had a great match. I mean, AJ Styles is still a fucking freak. Like I always say, offensive finesse with him, or defensive finesse, I mean. Like, whenever he is selling and he does something simple like a backdrop, he fucking kicks his feet up in the air so he goes way higher. And it makes it look that much more impactful. And guy's in his fucking 40s. Edge is in his fucking 40s. I think this match was better than their match at WrestleMania. The one at WrestleMania was fine. It just, I think a lot of us were thinking about that. Then we saw Cody and Seth Rollins. And this might have had the same effect with this. But it also is about storyline. Edge ended up uh, tapping out AJ Styles with the crossface. But before that, Damian Priest, who was banned from ringside, I guess he can go up just as long as he's not at ringside. So the ref getting involved with that, um, 
I mean, I, you got to get to some position, and then you have Finn Balor who comes out to try to help out uh, AJ and take out Damian Priest. Um, and that happens. And technically, he was at ringside at that point, but I guess it was because of Balor. But then the hidden person, who is this man, said by Byron Saxon many times, ends up being Rhea Ripley, who is who we've heard rumored for this whole entire thing. And it looks like we're now setting up, like we thought, where it's going to be AJ and Finn Balor against these guys going forward. Will Tommaso Ciampa join this group, Judgment Day? Will Dominic Dijakovic, which has been rumored, will Finn Balor inevitably fuck over AJ Styles and join them? Very possible. Edge has said that there might be more than members, but, you know, he's being very uh, one way or the other about it. So we don't know exactly what the hell, if that's going to happen. It might just be the three of them. But I like Rhea Ripley joining them. I like her new look with the black hair. I think she looks even more just like a badass. I like their promo on Raw together. Um... It'll be interesting to see what happens. And, uh, you know, hopefully AJ doesn't lose every fucking time. <laughs> That's the only thing. It's like he can beat Damian Priest, but he gets to the boss and he can't beat Edge. But what are you going to do? Oh, I mean, that's Sting versus the Four Horsemen, right? Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, or Dusty versus Four. Insert someone versus Four Horsemen. <laughs> um it's fine i mean i like i'm not a huge fan of this iteration of edge and i don't think he's had very good matches so love edge love his career just um i don't know what they're gonna do i I don't really care to see him continue to fight aj styles for the next three or four months really i'll say edge is very oh sorry i was just gonna say i would rather see like aj styles go against someone like cody Cody Rhodes, or even Edge go against someone like Cody Rhodes. Just something fresh. I feel like this storyline's been going forever, and um, I would like for Finn Balor to join that group, because I think like him and fucking Damian Priest would be a great tag team and give someone like realistic for RK-Bro to lose against. Well, not only that, but now that you're saying it, if he fucks over AJ, you know, if, if that's what inevitably happens, the two of them challenge Damian and Edge, and then you know, you have Finn who wants to get tagged in the whole entire time, and then he ends up like, you know, kicking. A, it was all a ruse. He only attacked Damien because he was going to join this group, blah, blah, blah. And then you have that camaraderie. You don't have to have Edge and AJ anymore. Now you can have fucking uh, Finn Balor and AJ Styles in a heated feud going forward to SummerSlam. And also Cardiff, I, I since, so. you know, uh, he's over, Finn's from over there, over in the UK. So. When they go to Wales, that can also be a match that they have. <laughs> he should just totally, if he does that, he should totally cut the fucking Owen Hart promo. <laughs> You're so selfish! <laughs> Kick the leg out of AJ's leg. <laughs> Do it. I'm down for it. I like that idea. Uh, um, Do you, My only worry is because this is supposed to be like a darker group. Does that mean we're only going to get demon Finn Balor? I mean, at this point, would that be a bad thing? Since they've... If Finn was acting like Finn did in NXT, it would be fine, but they don't let him do that. So, if he's the demon the whole entire time, I guess. Or at least, maybe not the full demon, but some face paint, you know. 
I don't know. I always said that he should do it like a Sibniad, where he starts off like with just an eye, and then it kind of takes him over, and the, it gets more and more throughout the course of the feud until the pay-per-view. But they don't listen to us at all. So basically what Aleister Black's doing, which is kind of this whole group, honestly. Pretty much, you know, in a in a way. Um, uh, <laughs> I of. like Rhea Ripley. I like that they're going to try to do something with her, and I think this might get her a push, so that's cool. I'd love to see heel Rhea against Bianca Belair for the title. I think that'd be really fun. Also, it'd probably be Rhea's first title win, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, exciting stuff. At least we, from the Rhea standpoint, I think it's very exciting. Gives her something to do where at least she's not I fucking think, tagging with Nikki Ash. <laughs> like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, so from the Rhea standpoint, this is fucking awesome. If you're a big Rhea Ripley fan, this is probably the best thing that they could have done for her. No, I agree. I think the, the biggest thing with you, and, and I'm the same way, it's it's similar to Seth. Uh, more so with Edge. I've seen Edge as a great fucking heel with the rated R superstar and that cockiness and arrogance. So if you wanted to do that, especially cutting his hair, he looked ridiculous. Um, he could have gone back to that version instead of this new Undertaker light, you know, thing that he's doing now. And just like Seth, instead of the Joker, I loved the fucking, you know, when he was, uh, what do they call him? The, the architect, you know, that version of him as a heel, that cocky, piece of shit that was working for you know the corporation and shit like that and not this I don't know what the fuck's going on Joker heel character I don't know what the hell he is no clue I I mean I think if they can get AJ Styles to feud with Finn Balor and move on from this and give Edge some different opponents maybe I'll feel better I mean my biggest thing about Edge it's not been the promos or anything else he's done it's it's more like this group did feel like a carbon copy or kind of like we're going to do a white family and or in kind of a House of Black thing. It kind of felt like that even going into it. Um, and then we've also seen Edge versus AJ Styles now for what seems like. I mean, going into yeah. Mania, so th- three months. So that and AJ Styles has lost everyone, including fucking geeks on NXT. So, uh, you know, who I'd like to see them help. position against. So say if we if we do have that AJ uh, Finn Balor thing happen, what's Edge and um, Damien going to do? If you still have the titles on RK Bro, now we flip the script and Edge is the heel with Damien, his protege, against Randy, who's the babyface, with you know uh, Riddle, his protege. I think that would be interesting. It would be. It'd be fun to. Uh, I mean, it's a rehash of. Um... <laughs> I mean, it'll eventually just be a rehash of fucking Orton taking over, or like, Wyatt family. Pretty, I guess you're right. Yeah, it does kind of seem like the Wyatt family. Now you put it that way. <laughs> I mean, because when you think about it, that's what they'll end up doing, is they'll bring out the legend killer, Randy Orton, and he'll, you know... Edge is considered a legend, right? He's in the Hall... Is he in the Hall of Fame yet? Edge is in the Hall he of is. Fame, right? Yep. Yeah, that seems like a perfect person to fucking make Randy Orton go crazy enough to start fucking punting people again. <laughs> Maybe that's so a good Matt call. Riddle can't make weird, uh, you know, masturbation jokes to him anymore on television like he did last night. Randy, I mean, kind of makes it funnier if he does. Like he's the one that has to talk Randy from punting people off a ledge until it event- he eventually snaps. 
And then fucking Riddle's the just there like, whoa, bro. <laughs> Not Dude, cool. Dude, you need to start smoking again, man. Jesus. <laughs> uh, when are we getting RVD and fucking Matt Riddle in some type of feud? Come on, man. Can we I put a know, bong like, on a pole match? Well, they did, like, not this year's Mania, but was the la- the the Mania before? Yeah. They had, like, those interviews with fucking RVD because he was going into the Hall of Fame. Um. <laughs> Matt Riddle was so excited to see him. <laughs> and he was like, we should be a tag team, bro. And Randy Orton's like, yeah, man. <laughs> Great. Uh. Um. The other thing that was funny about that RVD shit, I don't want to spend too long on it, but uh, going in, there was like, who are you going to get to induct you in the Hall of Fame? And he was like, I would say Sabu, but it'll just show up and point at the sky and yell Sabu, Sabu, Sabu. (laughs) Because he would. (laughs) Which would have been great. In retrospect, that would have been great. (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right. uh, Next match, we had an I Quit match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. I got to admit, I was not looking forward to this match. I just was kind of over it. And then they did a damn good job (laughs) with the fucking match. Uh, And Ronda Rousey won. But, I mean, some of the things that happened with it, I just... I love Charlotte. She she always goes after a body part. She makes it very technical. Ronda, especially within this, was able to do, like, I never thought that I would say this, but Ronda's actually pretty good at selling. She's actually able to make it look like, and the reason why I'm saying that is not just because she's not a professional wrestler and she's new to this, it's because Ronda Rousey was not known for someone that would have to win from, you know, would have to work their way back on top and win from underneath like that's not her thing and she's actually pretty good at it but these ladies beat the living shit out of each other i love the ending with the chair spot i love charlotte acting cocky and saying like happy mother's day ronda and then her just grabbing her fucking arm and wrenching it in that hold through the chair and then you know charlotte's gonna be out she's getting married she's taking some time off well deserved anyone who made negative comments about charlotte and being happy about it it's okay to show off that you don't know shit about fucking wrestling, but I'm just saying. Um, but Ronda has a title now. Um, and looking forward to wherever they go. It seems like they set up something last night. At least a, a first match with her and Raquel. Um, but I, I know she's with Natty for no reason, but I want to see Shayna Baszler as the heel going against her old best friend Ronda. And I think that that would be a really good match to set up. But Bailey also could be another option once she's ready. Not sure. I think uh, I think Shayna is a great. They got to get Shayna some wins, and and seemingly they've been doing a little bit better of a job with Shayna. But I mean, I think Bailey's the go-to. It's time for the Bailey comeback, because you can just transition Ronda to a heel, and no one will bat an eye. I don't think. And I think when, I, think, heel. I think when Bailey comes back, she's going to be over as a babyface again. But good match between the women, man. I, I would 17 say minutes almost, and they we, beat we, the living hell out of each other. It was a great match, and I think this, like the ending, shows how fucking good Charlotte is. Honestly, yes. because the the Happy Mother's Day thing was fucking great. Like that's great heel ass shit. It was really good. The whole match was, I thought, was really great. I know a lot of people were like, hey, whatever. I mean, not every match is going to be Bianca versus Sasha or Charlotte versus Sasha, but I thought this was really good. For a WWE women's titles match, this was pretty fucking good. Especially considering it had to follow like Seth and Cody. Um, 
later in the show, but it was a really, really solid match. And uh, yeah, I, I think I, Bailey wins Money in the Bank. Charlotte uh, challenges Ronda. I think that might be where we're headed. Are you going to miss Charlotte for the time being? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to miss her like on a week to week basis and being a heavy part of that pay-per-view, but I don't know. Give Ronda some interesting opponents and, and we'll see what happens, I guess. Absence does make the uh, heart grow fonder, right? So how can I love you if you don't leave? So Charlotte, right. I think having some time off will actually be probably beneficial for her. Right. Charlotte works good in short bursts where she can come in and just be their top heel again. So like when yep. Rhonda is inevitably done, which she will be after she drops the title, I'm assuming, um, you can bring Charlotte back to feud with Bailey. I think that's easy to set up, right? Or maybe we actually fucking get a, so- a heel Sasha Banks versus a babyface Bailey. That would be cool. <laughs> Since they've been trying to tell that story for like fucking forever and keep fucking it up maybe they'll maybe they'll get it right just this one time dane well and not only that the draft is what over in september after they restart for the television networks is that correct so we're gonna have some different matchups for whoever after SummerSlam, and i'm wondering if it's eventually going to be back with becky against ronda you know to kind of like finalize that feud that never got an ending for right is ronda going to be full-time though or did they just know. build her? If they're just building her up to SummerSlam and then she's going to be gone, then I don't. I don't know. That's, That's more about point. like what Ronda's contract looks like, I guess. Yep. All right. Next match was a short match between Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin. I don't think anyone wanted. Honestly, what I would do because I think Madcap, he's got good look to him. You know, great physique. So who the hell was the one who said he looks like? Oh man, it was like he looks like Disco Inferno. And someone else had a baby, and I can't remember who the fuck it was, but it was pretty funny. It made me laugh. But if you take Boogs when he hits back, and you take Madcap Moss, and you take out the silliness and make them this kind of two big guy, badass baby face team, I think that could really work out for both of them. But I know Boogs is hurt for a while now, but I'm just saying, for in the future, he looks fucking ridiculous. Uh, But he beat Corbin, so good job. Under nine minutes, and it looks like they're continuing this feud for no fucking reason, Chris. Do you remember when Corbin was super over and he had no money? <laughs> he needs to get rid of his money. He just needs to. Yeah. Um, I didn't care about this match at all or this feud, and I'm kind of tired of seeing these two guys together in general. And I'm not this... a big fan of Madcap Moss. It's going to be hard to ever turn him into something special because you made him into a fucking geek with these suspenders and khaki pants and making him Corbin's lackey. So I'm pretty sure the book is already written on what the guy's career is going to be, at least in WWE. That's a very, very good point. All right. So we had the uh, main event six man tag team match. This is supposed to be. Well, now they're doing this at the next pay-per-view because that was established last night on SmackDown. Finally, uh, the Usos told RK Bro that they would do the title match, but we're having uh, Roman Reigns and the Usos on this go against Drew McIntyre and RK Bro. It's a fun match. I love it when Riddle and Randy like hit the freaking RK Bro or the RKOs, I should say, out of nowhere. Um, I like the part where 
Roman's Roman got like taken out. I think he got taken out by a claymore kick, so he was selling for a while, and then the two RKOs happened, and then something else happened, but it ended up with uh, Roman finally getting back to his feet, spearing. Uh, I want to say Riddle. Yeah, that makes sense. And then winning 22 minutes, uh, 20 seconds. This shouldn't have been the main event, but it was still a fun match. Like I said, I would have given this to Charlotte and uh, Ronda. They had the uh, world champion on the line. Uh, I know that the male world champion was in this, but, I mean, either that or Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins were the two matches to talk about, I would say, off this pay-per-view, like we said. Yeah, I mean, I thought this match was very good. It was fun watching Riddle take that fucking spear since he went inside out. (laughs) Um, This was a fun match, but it felt like a house show match, kind of. Um, yes, I was going to say that, but it, it just like, because of who was in it and how it was thrown together, it just felt kind of like a house show match. That's funny. I was going to say the exact same thing, man. Um, uh, and so I, I agree. That's I, not, I agree. With that's you. not a bad I, I, thing. No, no. It's just like, if you, you've, I mean, anyone that's been to a WWE house show or even like watch the dark matches after a SmackDown, SmackDown live or all live, uh, these are the kind of matches they throw together. So it just kind of had that feel like not taking away any of the in-ring work and stuff the guys did, but it just kind of had that feel of like, hey, we're going to do this <laughs> kind of thing. Um, I mean, it made Roman look strong as always. You got the win and the tribal chief and the tribe, I guess, the Usos, the bloodline. Um, still chance. <laughs> do, do you think based off of last night with Randy kind of going off on Roman at, at, during that last sequence, which by the way, can we stop doing fucking promos to end the show? Jesus Christ. Uh, you guys already do that for 20 minutes in the beginning. I'm just saying, I, I always, am like, all right, so what's next? And it's like, Oh, it's over. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is 10. What the fuck? But anyways, last night, you know, Randy came out and he's like, you are nothing like John Cena. You know, you'll never be the champion he, he is because Roman kind of like made fun of him before that. Are they trying to set up like maybe a future match between Roman Reigns and Randy Orton or setting the seeds for that? I mean, they're going to. Yeah, I would think so. But you this got two of the more popular guys. The- Yeah, I mean, but this also can keep the feud going between the Usos and and the RK Bro. Yeah, isn't it weird that they're doing it in the next pay-per-view? Like, why didn't they do it this last time and put together that match? Were they not sure about it? And they said, fuck it? Uh, Strange. I wonder if they were thinking to do Cody versus Roman right off the bat, and they weren't really sure what to do after Mania. Like whether to That's go back to a, Seth yeah. or not. So they were like, well, we got to throw something together. We need RK Bro on the show. We need the Usos on the show. We need Roman on the show. So this is what you get. And they're definitely setting up Drew versus Roman, which will happen in Cardiff. So <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Just uh, strange still. And honestly, just get, get just do that. Nope, I think I lost you. I don't have a problem so much with the IC belt. Sorry, I got kind of like uh, screwed up. Um, and the US being kind of like the show belts, if you will, if they want to keep it like that. And But I think that the women's title needs to get, you know, unified as well. I think it should be the men's, the women's, and the tag all unified. 
Uh, I think I lost you again, but I, I would uh, I would definitely I, I would definitely agree with you. I think you're talking about just um, unifying the women's title. It really just depends on how into this brand split they're going to do, and if they money in the bank, if they fucking take one of the titles off of Roman. Like I said, if Paul Heyman works out some kind of contract or something, and they go that route, which I could see them doing. Uh, are you still there, Dean? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I lost you for a second there, but I think that's where you're what you were getting at, and it really just depends on I think whatever the hell Fox and USA want and bitch about headed into that draft. I agree with you. I think it would be better just to have one champion, one belt, actually do new belts as well. And maybe Cody can lead to some of that. Uh, if he does win and, and make like a unified winged Eagle title, I think there's things that you could do with that. I just, I'm it's, it's WWE. So uh, they're, they have an obsession with having as many belts as possible. <laughs> yeah. It's got a lot of belts. You know who has a lot of belts? Is uh, AEW got a lot of them. But um, they had Dynamite. And it was a, it was a fun show. It was a it was a fun show. Um, we started off with a banger, Chris. You know, we had uh, Adam Cole going against Dax Harwood in the first match. For the Owen Hart Foundation Men's Tournament, um, and uh, I don't know, I, it just was—it was a good match. I—I I, I like the storytelling uh, within it. Uh, you know, kind of making it really what it was about. Excalibur saying these guys come from different philosophies; they both have different idols. You know, alluding to what we said. Uh, what we kind of expected with a Kenny Sam Punk thing when we were talking a couple weeks ago, they ended up playing out with Adam and Dax within this match. Dax, you know, another person since he was a heel. I didn't know he was so good at selling. Uh, and he was, and he basically sold his knee throughout the whole entire match. Or no, no, his ribs. Because we had a spot where Adam Cole sent them and he went, you know, into the post, rib first. Uh, underneath slid out to the uh, outside of the ring. Awesome spot. And throughout the whole entire course of it, it was having him problems of doing certain things that he's able to do. When he gets uh, the sharpshooter on Adam Cole, it ends up inevitably, you know, the reason why he has to stop it because he's, you know, in so much pain. And then uh, at the end of it, when Adam Cole, who went for the super kick, even tuned out the band and everything, he gets Dax, who's also wearing his Bret Hart gear. I mean, there's so much fucking to this. Uh, Adam gets him in the sharpshooter, and because his ribs are busted up, and just to let everyone know, the sharpshooter does hurt your legs because of the positioning, but it's actually meant to hurt the back more than anything. So because of that stretch, it's actually affecting his ribs and causes him to tap out. Adam Cole, who Jimmy Carderis, ex-referee who now works for Wrestling Inc., kind of put it. Uh, really well uh, on the after show for this and just said to Raj Giri, the uh, editor for uh, Wrestling Inc., that to him, if anyone has a little bit of that Owen Hart flavor when it comes to personality, it's Adam Cole. So uh, the Shawn Michaels guy beat the Bret Hart guy, Chris. Scandalous. 
crowd lost their shit for this match, especially for Dax. Um, are they getting Dax too over? <laughs> to the point where he's going to have to break out of his own tag team? I guess they need to show off Cash's in-ring skills more because he's the more fluid out of the two of them. Um, I, I think it's Dax's look and just general attitude and the way he lays shit in. Um, but fucking fans love this fucking guy. <laughs> Uh yeah, you could you could almost say the same thing about the Briscoes though. I think Mark is maybe a little bit of a better wrestler than Jay. <laughs> yeah, but Jay but has that presence. Yeah, so it's 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 weird, man. <laughs> Some might say that Marty Jannetty was a better wrestler than Sean during the Midnight Rockers. <laughs> so. Dude, Marty was good, man. That's what a lot of people don't realize <laughs> that it's more drug use that kind of fucked up Marty younger. <laughs> Because Sean stopped for a while and then got back on the fucking wagon, you know, during the click time period. But him and Marty were bad. Marty stayed like that, kind of. Sean kind of slowed it down. Inevitably would cause Marty, after the whole breakup, to even go way worse into it, which sucks. But, you know, he's still alive, so hopefully he's not murdering people. (laughs) Outside of bowling alleys. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Into rivers. Uh, oh, fuck. Yeah, God. And then he's like, well, no, everyone took that differently than what I meant. I was like, what the what? what? <laughs> Motherfucker, you, you said like, you killed someone. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, how are they supposed to take that? Yeah, but great match it, by two it, of those guys, was, man. Old school it match. It wasn't even too. a. Yeah, it was a very old school match. I wonder how many of these they have left where people can just do Bret Hart matches, though. I don't know, man. I mean, that's a good point. You know, it's great tributing. And I know that they're going to go for some Owen-probably related stuff within the tournament itself, too. And maybe I'll have to go back. Maybe they pulled stuff from the Owen-Sean match and did certain things like that. I have no idea. That ending was definitely like Montreal Screwjob, obviously, you know? But he didn't get screwed. But the same setup, he puts him in the sharpshooter, you know, and then inevitably Sean gets him in the sharpshooter and gets the win. So it's kind of on the nose. So make it less about Brett. If you're going to put emphasis, you know, like I said, if, if, if in that conversation, if Brett and, and Sean to modern wrestlers are your, your Paul and John, Owen is your fucking George Harrison. So maybe do some <laughs> stuff from his matches, you know? I think it would be fucking great if Wardlow was like, fuck it, and just started hitting people with the last ride. <laughs> He's like, since we're just doing tributes. Yeah, dude. I mean, just what if what if Wardlow just made like did every major like finisher? He did the last ride, then he did a jackhammer, then he did an F five, and then he did just a power bomb. He does the Undertaker old school walks across the ropes. <laughs> well, fucking Lance Archer already does something like that, but he did a moonsault in the middle of the goddamn. Yeah, it's too much though. I think the arm drop over the back is <laughs> actually looks better. But <laughs> Ray Phoenix does a tribute every time he gets in the ring because the fucker just stays running across the top rope. I guess. <laughs> um, no, all joking aside, I I could uh, dial it back a little bit with these. I I love Bret Hart. I love Shawn Michaels. I think they're both fucking great. Let's dial it back. Someone give me a Jerry the King Lawler fucking tribute match. Or a funk tribute match. Let's let's do one of those. <laughs> but yeah, all joking aside, great match. Um, and I would 
wouldn't say best match on the show, but my wife would murder me. <laughs> um, yeah, because people almost died within that match to be able to provide you with that type of entertainment. <laughs> so we'll get there, though. I'm assuming you're talking about the last match on this thing. Uh, but before we get to there, we had CM Punk going against from Long Island, which they are at. MJF will have a great reception later on. Uh, John Silver, Johnny Hungy from the Dark Order, who I said to you, and we can talk about that right now. In a year, I could see him being the only member of this group still a part of this roster. And that's because of stuff like this. He puts on great matches. He's fun. You know, he's a little brick shit house. But he's got a lot of energy, and him and CM Punk actually had a pretty good match. Uh, CM Punk obviously went over, but, you know, that's what... I don't think anyone expected fucking John Silver to win this match. I mean, CM Punk's going against Adam Page for the at the pay-per-view, so... But still, it was a fun match, I would say, and good job, John Silver. Also, shout-out to CM Punk for coming out and fucking working as a heel. In this match, to let oh, the yeah. guy be over right, in his home Explain to people that, since you're the hockey fan, because that's hilarious <laughs> that he did that. Punk comes out with a fucking Islanders jersey on. They're in Long Island. The crowd pops for it. He's notoriously a Chicago Blackhawks fan and always has been and goes to a lot of their games. He turns around. It's a fucking John Tavares jersey who did not sign with the Islanders, even though he played almost his entire career there from the time he was drafted up until... Uh, he left to go play in Toronto, the dastardly Maple Leafs. So when he turns around in this fucking building, the crowd loses their shit on him, um, which was fucking great. The only bad thing is it took the announcers way too long to pick up on it of why these people had started booing, <laughs> booing Cena, but or not Cena, <laughs> Punk. Uh, um, but it was great. It was a, it was a great moment. It'd be like if you're like. Um, if you're like a Giants fan or like a Giants fan and someone wears a Tom Brady jersey, that's basically the fucking reaction they kind of got out of it. Um, Ooh. So it was it was a uh, it, it was a it was a great um, or actually reverse that Eli Manning jersey in New England or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a, it was a fun moment. And the fact that he got the crowd against him kind of just even leading into the Mac because he's, he's obviously a bigger star than John Silver. It gave the crowd someone to cheer for leading into the match and people already like John Silver. I just thought it was like kind of a class act by CM Punk to g- at least get the initial heat. Um, Cause I mean, this was a baby face versus baby face match if we're being honest. And uh, I think it helped the match and it was a really good match. John Silver's really good in the ring. I don't know what they plan to do with him long-term, but he's fun to watch and he has good matches and he's an interesting character. Yep. And uh, afterwards we had Hangman coming out and charges the ring Gets face-to-face with Punk. Punk asks uh, Paige if he's mad and says it looks like he's taking things personally. He knows that these fans uh, don't like him in Long Island, but it's not personal to him. It's just business. He used to wake up every morning and ask himself if he's a good guy. Today, he asked himself if he's champ, and he said the answer is yes. Punk says he just destroyed Paige's boy, and that was a blueprint. And at double or nothing, he will shake his hand, whether he is conscious or not. Pop. Uh, Punk then offers his hand, but the champion just flips him off instead. And then Britt Baker uh, said that she wasn't happy about going against a random opponent because she can't prepare for it. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of just sets up uh, what's going to happen. And we can kind of talk about who we think that person is going to be. 
But uh, what do you think about Punk's promo afterwards against Adam Page? And uh, what do you think about the person that's going to be going against Britt Baker uh, in the Joker spot for next week? Well, let's see. Who would you bring in? Um, Bucket, do you pull someone from stardom? Or do you pull Deanna Parasu, who was just on the show recently? Uh, If I had to take a wild guess with Britt, I would say uh, Carrie Zane. Think would be great, Carrie Hojo, if you're doing something with stardom, and if you just want to do something further stuff with Diana Parasu, which everyone's wanted to see that match for a while, you could put her there. But do you really want her to lose on your show twice? Um, yeah, at that point, Scott my- Demore's got to be like, I'm sorry, guys, I can't have you have all our guys and lose them because it happens well, a lot. They could have Diana. They could have Diana win. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get Britt riled up from something, she could definitely. I, I know the big rumor is it's going to be uh, Athena, uh, Ember Moon, but we'll have to see. But I love the idea of Carrie Hojo being involved in this and showing up. That would be fucking awesome. Well, if you br- at least if you bring Carrie Hojo in and she loses, it it's not going to affect like it's not going to affect Impact. It's not going to affect anyone else really. Because it's kind of within stardom, um, and you can always do throw like run that back at the uh, the New Japan uh, AEW pay per view. You can run that match back, but like if you do Ember Moon coming in, Ember Moon's got to win. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It's like she could beat uh, beat Britt. Britt could be fucking furious. Uh, and then Brick could cause Ember Moon, and then they could have like a rivalry, you know, by just the two of them, if you want to do that within the tournament. You may guess, but they don't really do fuck finishes in AEW. That's a good point. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's like if Ember comes in, she's gonna win, and then maybe go through the tournament. <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't know what else you would do with her. I would save that, honestly. Um. I would I would probably do something like Diana or well, like I said Carrie I think Carrie Zane would be great because then you can because right now they don't have any female matches I don't even think even alluded to for that New Japan versus AEW pay per view and it would have to be some people from Stardom maybe Mayu yeah. and Iwatani that'd be fucking great let's do that <laughs> I'm trying to find out where are they next week do you remember. City-wise, I have no idea. Uh, I don't remember either. I did so. see that they're doing, they're going to make that Arthur Ashe Stadium a uh, yearly event, which is pretty cool. Because that was That's like awesome. a really cool venue in New York. So that, that'll be a fun show for people that live in the uh, great state of New York. Oh, so they're in Houston next week. Oh, that's why a lot of people probably think that it's going to be Ember Moon, because she's from Houston, right? Or she at least got taught in Houston by Booker T. She might be from somewhere else in Texas. I, I don't remember so. where she's from. She definitely was trained there by Booker, though, because that's where his school's at. I know a lot of people are thinking, I, I would I would assume it would be because they were in Cleveland, but a lot of people, since both Joker matches are next week, that it was going to be Candice LeRae, who's now expired with her contract with WWE, and they're not resigning her, and Johnny Gargano, who's up on his. 
But I don't know why the fuck they would do that in Houston to introduce both of them. Candace um, has a uh, non-compete though, right? No, she 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 ended her her thing ended just by itself. It expired. Oh, okay. She didn't get released. Sorry, there was also releases that happened from WWE. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Ugh. But yeah, that's a, that'll be interesting. They, they could do a double thing like that. Who do you think the men's is going to be? There's obviously Johnny Gargano's been thrown around out there. I'm trying to think of like another man to put in this. You know, that's a surprise. I guess Cesaro would be another person I'd throw out. That's about the only two people I could think of, though. It's not going to be fucking Bray Wyatt. It's not going to be a smaller person, you know, like a lesser name. Maybe a New I, Japan person. I actually like, thought it'd be a great time to bring Miro back. Miro's great. Miro beating Samoa Joe, especially if Jay Lethal gets involved, would be fun. Yeah, Moving I think that it would be a good return. They've been waiting to bring Miro back. He's healthy. He's ready to come back. They're waiting for a story. If he shows up at the Joker spot and runs through this tournament... I think that's fun for whoever he's going to face because this is a whoever wins this gets a title shot, right? So him versus Punk, Miro versus Punk, that'd be pretty good. That's a that's a good first uh, mountain to climb up too. All right, all right. So uh, what do we have next? Uh, we have Tony Nese and Danhausen. Tony Nese destroys fucking Danhausen within two minutes for a distraction from Mark Sterling. Uh, and that would cause basically Hook to come out to his aid, and uh, him and Danhausen afterwards did an impression of the uh, Mega Powers, you know, thing. Not so much Hook, but Danhausen was. He was grabbing his wrist while trying to shake his hand, which is pretty fucking funny. And this is going to move to a match that Mark Sterling's not happy about, and I think might cause or do something to get out of it. So Nice might have a, a hidden opponent, but. Danhausen and Hook are going to beat their first two victims, whether it be Nice and Sterling or Nice and someone else. Um, but, uh, you know, I kind of want... Uh, Danhausen's actually a good wrestler. He was very much a huge fran- fan of, of Prince Devitt in Japan. You could tell by his physique back in the day without, when, when he was in Danhausen as a character. I forgot what his name was beforehand, but even his look, you know, he kind of had like a, a Finn Balor-esque look and did a lot of his shit, so... He's fast. He's good. You know, I'm just I kind of wanted to see him in the ring, but I'm I get it while they're doing this. Apparently his legs healed, but it's not 100 percent. So when you see him in tag matches, that's why they're putting him in a tag team straight up at the beginning is to limit his time in the ring until his legs completely healed up. So I get it. Uh, But at the same time, the only thing I'm worried about is that Hook has looked like such a badass. I I honestly hope that Danhausen doesn't kind of pull him down. Uh, within it, so but I do like Danhausen, so he's very nice, very evil. I think it's kind of fun um, with Danhausen, Hookhausen. I, I actually, I, I fucking called this, by the way. <laughs> after they're very, after he was showing up on the vlog so much, I'm they're, they're gonna do something with fucking Hookhausen. Um, I think this is fun because basically Dan Howe, if he's not a hundred percent, he's just going to be able to get his ass kicked and look kind of like a dweeb and then hit the hot tag to hook and hook can run wild and it'll still make hook look great without just doing squash matches. And then, um, him and hook end up facing off, right. Or getting pissed off at each other. And then maybe you get like, I think it'd be hilarious to do like a Kane, uh, Daniel Bryan type thing with those two. Especially just because, like, 
it gives Hook a chance to become more vocal on the mic, maybe. Uh, it'll be, I think it's interesting stuff, but eventually what will happen is, you know, Hook is the one in trouble and you get the hot tag to Danhausen and then he can really show like what he, what he can do in the ring when he's finally ready. Um, but for right now, him just being the guy that's going to go in there and sell and get his ass whipped is probably fine. And I don't think it hurts Hook at all. And in fact, it will allow him to win that title off Ricky Starks eventually. You would think that they want Hook to win the title off Ricky <laughs> being Taz's son. So like if it builds to like a couple of matches with uh, Hookhausen versus uh, Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Could do something like that. I like it. Or as uh, JR likes to say, to make fun of Taz, saying uh, Ricky Stocks. Uh, <laughs> one, of, one of these days, Taz going to be like, you know what, JR, go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's pretty funny, though. He's I always love teasing to, like, them. get a great. beer with both those guys, just because I think them making fun of each other would be <laughs> pretty fucking amazing. Yeah, no, I love it. I love their little, uh, little relationship. So next... We come back from commercials and we have a dark side of the ring. And I was like, is this a commercial for dark side? I guess they're, they are moving off vice and they're moving now to this network. I'm not hundred fucking percent sure, but no, it was a mock-up one. <laughs> Chris Jericho, who, 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 this was all fucking hilarious. I'm sorry. So Jericho who narrates actual dark side of the ring is narrating this. And then he all of a sudden like realizes that it's about MJF. And he's like, hold on. What, what am I doing? Like, you know, like, I, I can't stand this dude. He's a dipshit. And he's like, oh, wait, how much did he pay me? And then he just keeps on going throughout the whole entire narration. Uh, they got a lot of stuff from different uh, heels that are part of AEW. Like, Jake the Snake Roberts was in it. And um, just making it look like he's the good guy in all this. It was fucking hilarious. Uh, you know, here comes Wardlow doing the whole, like I said, Kane when he took off his mask and was, you know, bald and had no shirt. For the longest time, he was coming out with shackles on by the guards, but it even gives you a little bit of a Goldberg feel, like I said, because of the fact that there's a bunch of guards with him and everyone's going, Wardlow! So just, he gets in the ring, he's booed from everyone. This time, he's not getting Wardlow like he normally gets. Like, you know, he's in Long Island, and that's, that's CM, or not CM Punk, oh, MJF's uh, place. And, uh, you know, MJF comes out, they all huge pop from the audience. I love that he took a shot at some of the people and said that they were still like wonderful people from Long Island. But he's like, all the people that are too poor that are all the way at the top, you know, in, in the nosebleed section, you're still wonderful people or something like it's it's just brilliant how he's able to spin this, how punk can still take advantage of it and play heel in this one city. But now also how MJF can just be a baby face here. And someone who's loved like Wardlow can actually get the crowd against him before he even comes out, just because he set it up. Just brilliant. And he also, you know, is talking about the whole signing of the contract thing. He's got to beat, he's got to take, I think, like 10 lashings, like Cody had to, basically. And then he has to win against M or against uh, Sean Spears in a cage with MJF as the referee. So Wardlow's like, whatever. Uh, and then he tells the audience to definitely not get, you know, stand up and boo Wardlow so we can't hear what he's saying when he goes to, uh, you know, respond to me. 
gives him the mic. Wardlow gets it, and everyone starts fucking booing and shit. So it just it's a, it's a very aggressive crowd against Wardlow, and finally Wardlow signs it by let it allowing the handcuffs to be taken off of him. And that was a really terrible idea because Wardlow just fucking starts destroying all these security guards, like the most inefficient security guards, uh, and uh, goes to destroy MJF, pulls his ass back in the ring uh, when we have uh, him escaping because uh, Spears uh, first try to go for him. He gets out of that, and then Mark Sterling jumps on his back. And then uh, Wardlow powerbomb Sterling through a table. And that's the reason why Sterling's saying on Rampage, because he's got like his arm in a cast that he can't wrestle with Tony Nese. So I think they might use that, like I said, for that match. But who knows? But anyways, there you go. Um, yeah, that was that was funny as fuck, man. I loved it. I think MJF is great. I think Wardlow is going to even look better after all of this. And I'm really looking forward to this match. and. Finally, again, to see Wardlow just beat the shit out of MJF. I think that's MJF's really good at that, man. That's an art nowadays. Yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Mark is getting used more in the show. <laughs> kind of out of <laughs> he's a lot. <laughs> he's doing red velvet shit. He's gonna be in a match, maybe. He's been doing the cast gimmick for a while on the indies as well. Um, like where he's basically doing the Bob Orton thing, or he was previously. So I'm wondering if they're going to start using that. Uh, interesting stuff. Obviously, uh, see, like I said, CM Punk is making himself hated in Long Island, especially after the passing of the. I'm assuming when he came out with that Islanders jersey, everyone thought he was wearing a Mike Bossy jersey, who just recently passed away. Is absolute legend. When you turn around, that shit was Tavares, or uh, Tavares. Not Tavares. Tavares is a YouTuber. Great YouTube channel, though, if you like cars. Uh, Tavares. <laughs> when he turns around, he has the John Tavares jersey on. That crowd lost their shit, and MJF is always going to be a hero there. It was funny to see the crowd turn against um, turn against old Wardlow there, and then Wardlow just beat the shit out of a bunch of fucking geeks, which is what everyone wants to see anyway, is Wardlow beating geeks, right? So, uh, Good stuff. I don't know. I'm excited for this match. Did, did they, they didn't give us the stip, though. What is the fucking stipulation for the match? Or did they? And I just don't remember. Well, now, to get the match, he's got to take, like, I think 20, 10 to 20 slashings like, like Cody did and then beat Sean Spears uh, in a cage with MJF as the referee to be able to have the match against MJF. And we still don't know if that's going to have stipulations as well, at least right now, or if we'll just be a straight one-on-one -on -one at double or nothing. So he's going to kill Sean Spears and MJF, and then Audrey Edwards is going to show up and count the fucking pin? Pretty much, probably. Since it, her and MJF have heat anyway. <laughs> I'm down with that. That sounds fun. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't remember what the stip was for the match. I just remember, I remember the segment, but I couldn't remember what they decided i did see a very fucking funny ass meme though where it was like all of the spice girls it was like if you want to be my opponent you got to fight all my friends and then at the very end it was mjf's head like photoshopped on scary spice i was like that's kind of true yeah i saw that shit too <laughs> anyone that wants to fight mjf that's hilarious we do have to go through like 40 other people oh man all right so uh next is ricky stocks the FTW champion going against Jungle Boy. They had a really good match. 
I'm I'm starting to I don't know. I kind of want, even though it'll probably it it really seems like a heel turn on Christian because we have the match to have a good match. Inevitably, Ricky Starks wins, uh, and then we have some bullshit where basically what happened was, you know, um, what the hell is this? Powerhouse Hobbs is trying to get get involved. So we have Swerve Strickland coming out. Swerve inevitably causes a distraction where Jungle Boy should have won, and by the time that something happened, you know, Jungle Boy gets hit by the uh, the, the uh, belt, FTW belt. Ricky gets the win because of this. And Strickland feels like shit for it. And then, you know, we have Luchasaurus and Christian come out. Christian, like, completely shoulder checks the shit out of uh, Strickland beforehand. Keith Lee comes out. Then we have, obviously, Starks and and, uh, Starks and Hobbs having another stare off with Keith Lee and Strickland. And Christian goes in. And it really looks like his Jungle Boy's just all down on his luck, sad. And the ropes, and it looked like Christian was about to just knock him in the back of the fucking head, and I kind of wanted him to. That's what I was trying to come back to. Uh, but then he gives him a big hug. So I, I don't know. I really feel like Christian's gonna fuck, fuck over uh, Jungle Boy. It just seems like they're going that direction. Honestly, it's just I like Jungle Boy, but if he's supposed to be one of the four pillars, I don't know anymore, man. I don't know. I think the other guys are holding their weight a little bit better on their ends. Than Jungle Boy is. I'll just leave it that way. Ricky Starks has kind of uh, pulled me back around on the Ricky Starks the past couple of months with some of his promo work um, and the matches he's been having. So I think I've turned the corner on Ricky Starks a little bit, more of a fan. Uh, Jungle Boy, I'm still like, I, I see the potential there. I think he could be a big star. I think he needs to drop the Jungle Boy gimmick completely. Uh, and maybe he's the one that turns heel on Christian Luchasaurus. I think maybe that would be better for him. Um, Christian versus Jungle Boy, that that's interesting. Uh, did you have Christian attack Jungle Boy first, or do you have him snap on Luchasaurus? Because I would almost have him snap on Luchasaurus to cause dissension first, instead of going straight to Jungle Boy. But uh, yeah, that's way, a good point. It's interesting. It's interesting, but I don't know if I care about it that much. I'm actually more concerned of if they're going to be able to get fucking Action Bronson to uh, play Hook and Danhausen out to the ring. Because <laughs> I want to see Action Bronson and Danhausen dancing together. Let's do that. <laughs> I know. That's a, that's a good point. You, you care more about something like that than what's going on. There's good ways around it. It's just like... The storyline has nothing to do with Ricky Starks and Jungle Boy. It's all about is Christian eventually going to snap, right? Or is Jungle Boy going to snap? Or which which one of these two are going to start beating the shit out of one another to set up that match? Um, and it's also been way too long since we had a fucking Christian match. As is out here having shitty matches all the time. Let's get some yeah. more good Christian matches. <laughs> Shots fired. I completely Ed. agree on that. <laughs> All right, so we had Jericho Appreciation Society victory speech, uh, the victory for burning uh, Eddie's face, essentially. Uh, Diddy Magic. Everyone, if they want to know what makes his nipples hide, 
I can't do it. He's got more of like a French Canadian accent, but whatever. It is being in the greatest faction in the world. Chris Jericho says he was born around here, which he was technically born in uh, Long Island, uh, but then he moved quickly to Canada because it's a dump. He tells uh, a fan that if he has a problem, he'll throw a fireball in his face because he's a wizard. Jericho 216 says he just burned Eddie Kingston's face. He tells Eddie he needs to stay at home to take care of his wife, and if she doesn't, she can give him a call, and he'll take care of her. Danny Garcia then claims that sports entertainers always get the win against wrestlers. This then leads to John Moxley appearing, and uh, shortly after, he comes out of the audience and gets on one side of the ring. Brian Danielson, because, of course, Chris Jericho's like, there's only one of you. You're going to fight all of us? And then Brian Danielson, Wheeler Yuta, and William Regal get there, and they're like, it's still four on five. And then out of nowhere, we don't notice that Eddie Kingston, who's got... Actually, it looked like a decent makeup job, whatever made it look like the burn. But him, Santana, and Ortiz are on the other side of the ring, and they just go in and beat the living fuck out of all the heels. And at one part, uh, Chris Jericho goes to flee his guys, and William Regal just drops the fuck out of him with one punch. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Glad the heels got their comeuppance. Uh, I just want to know where the hell they're going with this. Let's get to the end, and then get Eddie... Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz, the fuck away from Chris Jericho in some other direction. That's all I got to say. Yeah, and also don't immediately attach Jericho to somebody else. <laughs> I feel like he's been siphoning people <laughs> in the past year he's of lived, AEW. He's, he's, he's sucking in their life to be able to live longer. Yeah, you know? it's like this weird... Like the witches when he's, from Hocus Pocus. <laughs> when he says he's a wizard, maybe he is. He's, he has that ability to siphon other people's energy. Um, You're a wizard, Y2J! That being said, Jericho... Uh, that Jericho and Eddie Kingston match was really fucking good, so I do look forward to the follow-up from that, because Jericho had gotten in better shape, and him and Kingston had a badass match on that pay-per-view. So them having another match together, I do look forward to that. I am kind of done with this group versus group thing with Jericho. Um, but him and Eddie Kingston, another singles match. I, I am down for that. I think that will be uh, entertaining. I don't know what you do with Jericho after that. Maybe it would be good for him to go away and work in Japan for a while. Um, or uh, just go Turn away. Turn of the pain maker. Turn of the pain maker. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of inter interesting stuff with, that you can do with Jericho. And I know like what he's trying to do is, by association, he is getting these other people over. But he's Jericho, so the storyline's immediately going to become Jericho. <laughs> like, it's not it, it's not even really his fault, but when you're the great one of the greatest of all time and they fucking throw you in a group with someone, you are going to overshadow those other cats. Especially if it's a feud against other people that are really fucking great, like Kingston or you know MJF, the, everyone else is just going to be kind of left with their dick in their hands, regardless of who they are. I think the only the only exception is maybe Sammy Guevara somehow got out unscathed, but so far it's just kind of stalled other people involved with uh, these feuds, specifically Pride and Powerful. But I don't know what they would do with them right now, anyways. Uh, because all of the setup is going to be around FTR, the Bucks, uh, Redragon, uh, Moxley, and, and Brian. So, like, Pride and Powerful would be a ways down, and then you're going to get the Lucha Brothers back together, I'm assuming, shortly. So, 
My yeah. best friends. Best what friends. do you do? What do you do at Double or Nothing? Do you do do you make this six on six now and just get the Jericho Society to have like a, a hidden person, you know, that can join the fucking because I mean it makes it look like that's where they're going with it. And then you still have a lot of your big guys on the card still, you know, because they're not setting up. It doesn't seem like they're setting up anything for Blackpool. This is the biggest thing. And we're a couple of weeks away, you know, so like, what the hell? What are you going to do with that? Exactly. Oh, I don't know. Do you do you Jericho is like my group versus your group and it's Kingston and Pride and Powerful. And then he just doesn't even put himself in the match. And then they set up some kind of like war games type match. Don't they have one That's, of those? They could do a stadium stampede or a war games match for sure. <sighs> Maybe something like that. And this time Eddie Kingston just gets thrown off the cage for real because he gives zero fucks, apparently. <laughs> Since Jericho got made fun of so hard last time when he fell through the cardboard stage. Um, the funny thing is he actually hurt himself legitimately doing that. <laughs> It's still yeah. you're still falling from a very high area, regardless on what you're landing on. Like I get I get his uh, criticism of people giving him shit. Uh, my problem with the spot was they did a very bad job of filming what the spot Producing was. It. Yeah, yeah like, I don't care if the guy lands on an airbag or not or whatever you want to do or however you want to break the fall. A good example of this is they had all of those PWT. Uh, or uh, not, not PWT. What is the, the fucking Chicago based pro wrestling tees? Yeah. Um, boxes under that spot. Jeff Hardy did off the fucking top of that window <laughs> through the table uh, on his, that, that uh, match where he was in the, it was him, Darby sting, Matt versus some guys. I don't remember who was in the match besides them. Um, but they had set that up where it's like, well, not only are you going to go through the table, but these like cardboard boxes of T-shirts are going to break your fall. Like that was a very smart way of doing it. It still looked cool. The Jericho one, the way it was produced, was brutal. That's not on Jericho, though. Yeah, no, I agree. Sorry. Um, all right. We had the, uh, the first... Uh, Owen Hart uh, Foundation Women's Tournament, and it's Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter. I I even think it sounded like even Jim Cor or not Jim Cornette. Um, we'll find out soon because now he's a week behind because of Christmas still, and fucking we can't get his reviews automatically up. But anyways, uh, Jim Ross was very impressed with this match because they had an old school. You know, it, I mean, these ladies were both have learned a lot from the British style. Obviously, Jamie Hayter's from over there, but. You know, Tony's Nasi, but also, you know, Japan and also obviously uh, the UK developed her style. And there was a very much a hooker match. Not like that, people. Fucking hooking, you know, wrestling, if you will, grappling style match. And it was pretty awesome at the beginning of it. And it was nice to see both the women have a really good technical match. I think the commentators, uh, Jim Ross especially might have been more excited about this than some of the audience members at certain points, but I thought it was a good match. And Tony Storm won. So, it, you know, Jamie Hayter's out of it. She's probably pissed. She'll probably cost some more shit, you know, with her and Britt, I'm assuming, um, in some some way. And, uh, yeah, Tony keeps on going. I love Tony Storm, man. These laser, I, these Both these ladies are great wrestlers. They've wrestled each other before in the past because they're friends. 
from the UK scene, and uh, they had a good match, good competitive technical match. Yeah, I think they've actually teamed together before as well, like as a tag team. So I'm not super surprised that they had good chemistry. It was a really good match. Um, as far as the fan base being a little dead for it or the, the people in the crowd, it's because no one thought Jamie Hayter was going to win it. Yeah, uh, just because point. They, ha- they haven't done anything with Jamie Hayter, but she's she was fucking great in stardom and, and, and some of her stuff in the UK, like you were saying, like she's had really good matches. So I, I wasn't surprised by this. You put... Tony Storm and Jamie Hader in a match nine times out of ten is probably going to be pretty good. Yep, good technical match. And following this was another great technical match <laughs> between Darby Allen and Jeff Hardy. Uh, before that, we had Swami Guevara, who I guess they're still trying to promote as a babyface, telling Frankie Kazarian not to trust Scorpio Sky, and we would see what would happen last night on Rampage because of that. But uh, you know, we had Darby Allen. And a little bit of a sequence, hanging out with Sting and being like, look, people wanted a technical masterpiece for me and uh, Jeff Hardy. I don't think that's what people are watching. So I have talked to Tony Khan, and I want to just have no rules between the two of us and let each other destroy each other within this uh, tournament match. Um, Before we go into the match, though, I will say, and you know what? I'm going to call it. I think that Jim Cornette will have a similar philosophy behind this. The match was fucking reckless. It was crazy. I saw people trying to call it a spot fest. And just like fucking Darby said, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? <laughs> it's Of course it's going to be stuff like that. That's what Jeff Hardy was known doing back in the day. That's what Darby's known for doing now. It's not so much that they had this match, even at the beginning of the tournament. I have a problem with who won. But we'll get there. Um, it's not so much that they, they they had a match against each other in this tournament. It's the fact that they didn't have this style match on a pay-per-view. I think if you're going to do something, you fucking have those guys put on something like this and put their bodies, especially Darby, on the line at a major pay-per-view than just the fucking, you know, the beginning of a tournament. I, I That's my only... But, I mean... Of course, it was going to be not be a technical match. It was supposed to be the two of them kicking the shit out of each other. We want to get to this match between the two of them. I thought it was a little bit early, but it was inevitable because of what they're known for. Um, I still think that that one spot, my God. So the three things I will say, Darby taking that ladder spot where he set up the giant ladder inside the ring, went to the top. He already set up chairs to be like a pseudo table and knocked Jeff Hardy out. Jeff Hardy's on those fucking chairs and Darby does a swan time bomb. Since he's smaller, he's able to do the rotation way more soon comes at Jeff. I mean, he started off with doing his thing where he just runs out between the second and third rope or second and first rope and just annihilates Jeff Hardy. Uh, but yeah, that spot, he fucking did a swan time and Jeff went to go catch him and he didn't even get a good chance to grab him that well because of his momentum and just fucking nails including one chair that shot up and hit him directly in the spine uh, just uh, vertically, basically, at that point. And he still moves and gets away from it. And they set up him, and he does a fucking coffin drop and nails the apron right afterwards. So then Jeff, at one part, uh, puts Darby Allen on the stairs that's flipped over and goes to do the swanton on him and fucking completely just eats shit. 
Darby gets out of the way. He fucking just nails the stairs from it. And he's 45, you know? And uh, the last thing, uh, I don't like when matches, the momentum of a finisher should not be able to get a roll-up, I don't think, most of the time. But, you know, goes for the coffin drop. Jeff takes him, cradles him, and one, two, three, wins the match. Didn't really like that aspect about it. I definitely would have done this match, uh, you know, with some type of build on a pay-per-view and not giving it away on Dynamite at the beginning of a tournament. But for people complaining about what we got afterwards, you're fucking stupid. And I'm the one who doesn't like a bunch of spots and matches constantly. But what the fuck do you expect Jeff Hardy and Darby Allen if they set it up as a hardcore match to do? I would have personally just made money off of it. But that's just me. But I thought this was fucking great and also extremely fucking reckless. That one thing could have gone really bad and I'm, I, I, Darby said, Chris, Darby said in the fucking thing beforehand that he, he wants to go to a hospital. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if they both were at the hospital afterwards, just making sure they got checked out. Uh, I want to know what Sting was thinking throughout all the fucking spots. Like, you know, just like, what the fuck? I thought I was crazy for some of the shit that I did. My God. <laughs> Sting and Matt looking at each other after every spot was fucking hilarious, though. <laughs> God damn, dude. They're, they're both like, why? <laughs> Just looking at each other. Uh, Jeff's beat up. So they weren't going to go in here and have a fucking technical match. He just tried to do that the week before with... Uh, fuck. Who did Jeff, what match did Jeff had the week before? It was one of the cats from Redragon. Bobby oh, Bobby Fish. Fish. He went in there and they had a pretty good match, but Jeff's like, he's not going to give you that level of match, really. So instead of him and Darby trying to have a serious wrestling match like Darby had with CM Punk, for instance, they gave you what everyone expected from Darby Allen and Jeff Hardy, and I think it was fine. And, you know, realistically... Jeff was probably like, I could take like three really shitty bumps or 20 not shitty bumps. <laughs> and how does that average out, right? <laughs> Maybe that's what the math was. Uh, that first, like he takes that fucking uh, missile drop kick right off the bat. He rolls out of the ring. Darby launches himself. And if you watch this, Jeff is such a fucking pro. He catches and cradles his ass perfectly while taking a back body bump which was great. People should learn how to catch from Jeff. I guess he's used to just getting fucking dropped by people, so he tries his best at it. And then that spot off the ladder from the ring, Jeff does try to catch him. It's as hard as he basically can. There's just, I think it was just too much momentum, and, and Jeff's, like I said, he's already banged up. Uh, catches him. They both go ass over tea kettle. I think the idea was to catch each other flat on those chairs. And it, like you said, I think there was just too much momentum. But at least Jeff fucking caught him. <laughs> That's probably what yeah. Samoa Joe said backstage. He's like, you guys should work with AOP. <laughs> Things go great <laughs> when you work with those guys. To yeah, me, the craziest the craziest fucking spot in that match is the fact that Jeff Hardy, just because there's so much that can go wrong with that stair spot, because he had to land perfectly. So he had to like tuck his legs while doing a swanton to land in that very specific area flat on his back. And you're like, this guy's still fucking incredible. 
Uh, as far as the finish goes, I think they just fucked up the finish because I'm what I'm assuming was supposed to happen is Darby's legs were supposed to get caught up in the ladder. So I think like he was supposed to hit the coffin drop. You get the one, two, Jeff rolls him, and Darby's legs are caught in the ladder. So it's harder to kick out. I think hmm. that's what they were trying to do, and it just didn't fucking work. That makes sense. Yeah. Because then, then it's like, well, he beat him, but he also used the assistance of a ladder to help pin him down. I think that's what they were going for because Darby's like trying to put his leg through the ring of the ladder. If you go back and watch it, it just doesn't happen. And also like the ref count was a, a bit weird on the finish, but it was still a fun match. And I'm sure we will get Darby and Jeff again with Darby getting a win. Right. Um, the big question is like, is Jeff going to win this tournament? Are you going to do Jeff versus CM Punk? <laughs> well, that's another thing. And this is a selfish concept, Chris. Um, so I wanted, I also wanted Darby to win because I wanted the next, the next round is between him and Adam Cole. And my two favorite fucking wrestlers are Shawn Michaels and Sting. Two of my favorite new wrestlers are like their protégés. And then you have Adam Cole against fucking Darby Allen. But if Jeff Hardy's involved, you have Cole go over on Jeff Hardy to rack up another big win. Or do you have Jeff Hardy go throughout the whole fucking tournament? I don't know. I don't know what you want to do. So. But Jeff Hardy's a good what's person a to beat. Match? What's a bigger What's a bigger match though? Is it Adam Cole versus CM Punk, or is it CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy, which is the notorious rivalry that you know he beat Jeff Hardy to put him out of the WWF or WWE at that time period? Is now, that do we match? know? Now, do we know that this is not just like a, a trophy thing, and they do get a title shot for winning the tournament? I thought the I thought the whole thing was like they're gonna win the tournament and there's a title shot after it. But if there's not, then I guess it doesn't matter who you put over. But if Adam Cole's chasing remember. the title anyways and he's in the running, like he's in the top of the why would he even be in this tournament? Like why would he care unless there was like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for his character at least. I don't know. He's obviously a Sean guy. He shouldn't give a fuck about the heart tournament. <laughs> exactly. He's he's not he's not putting over fucking British Bulldog and <laughs> for the European title. Fuck out of here. That's no. another person that uh that people have suggested that it might be um the person going against Samoa Joe might be Davy Davy uh Davy Boy Smith Jr. Is that his name or is it No, it was Davy Hart Smith in fucking WWE, but it is it is uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. or Harry Smith. That's it. Uh, is he the one that like tried to fight CM Punk in a parking lot and has had a bunch of drug problems and has gotten fired and rehired by MLW? No, or- no, no, no. That's Teddy Hart. This is uh, British Bulldog's son who was in MLW and got signed to WWE, but they didn't have I anything thought- for him, so he got let go. I thought Teddy was... Uh- I'm confusing. Which one is married to Natalia? That's Tyson Kid. Okay, yeah, Tyson I'm just Kidd, confusing. Yep. I'm just confusing the three because they threw them in that makeshift uh, makeshift heart foundation for a while. Remember yep. back in old WWE? Okay, well that I mean, yeah, that's fine. I'd be okay with that. Uh, just to have a heart involved, I guess. Yeah, I mean, are people going to be happy about that if he just loses in the Owen Hart tournament against Samoa Joe, though? Joe just locks on the coquina. 
unless Samoa loses because of Jay Lethal, and then you kind of have an out that way. I don't think uh. they're going to do a fuck finish. But they kind of set it up in one of those packages because Samoa Joe was was talking about like the tournament and then projected it towards you better not get involved, Jay Lethal. And then it went to Sanjay Dutt and he's like, it's none of us. We're not the fucking guy, you know, but you still have to worry about us or some shit like that. So they kind of set it up like they're going to do something. What if it's fucking Jonathan Gresham? <laughs> Could be. That's the, that's the swerve. No. Um yeah, oh, I, I want Samoa Joe versus Jonathan Gresham. That'd be fucking awesome. Right. Uh, uh, there's so many things they could do with that spot just because it's Samoa Joe. All, all the matches will be good. Him versus Davy Boy Smith Jr., whose recent run was in New Japan. Now I'm putting two and two together. Um, yeah, I don't know. You could have Davy Boy win that match, okay, I guess. I mean, he could just beat Joe clean. I don't think it's going to hurt Samoa Joe that much, right? Yeah, he's like his dad, but way more technical and taller. I don't know if I'd have him win the whole tournament, though. No, no. He would just be a good person to chop down on the way to winning in in some type of fashion. Um, but I love your idea now for Gresham, though. That would be awesome. Then Gresham joins the, that heel group, you know, because him and Jay Lethal are best buddies. Fucks over Samoa Joe. Oof. A heel yeah. Jonathan Gresham. I mean, he kind of, he's been a heel in Ring of Honor before, right? With, uh, yep. I can't remember the name of his group. Well, him and him and uh, Jay Lethal's group, they started off as a heel group and then kind of made themselves back to baby faces. Um, right. Because, like, no one believes heel Jay Lethal. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen again. <laughs> People are just going to be like, no, we refuse to hate Jay Lethal. <laughs> That's generally right, what well, happens every time Jay Lethal turns heel. <laughs> Basically, if he's not training with Ric Flair, <laughs> God damn it, Jay, stop talking to Rick. Damn it. That's that's the, actually the match. It's gonna be fucking Flair. He's in the Joker spot, and Joe just chokes him out in like twenty seconds. <laughs> it's like a minute of, of Flair strutting, and then finally Joe just chokes his ass out. He, he throws him into the turnbuckle. J- Rick takes the fa- the front face bump, and then Joe just puts him in the coquina. <laughs> yeah, that would be hilarious. Also, I want to say Dax, and it makes sense because both of them are big Brett fans. Dax and Cody are starting to do the um, thrown into a turnbuckle and taking the uh, front hit, and they both do it really well. I like seeing that come back. I know it's a minor thing, but I always thought that when Brett and Owen did that, it made it look pretty fucking devastating when they just nailed the fucking turnbuckle with their sternum. After getting thrown into it, um, and then, I don't yeah, know. pop back out. Not not the slow flare. You're talking about where they just pop directly out of it and fall face first, right? Yeah, yeah. They they get hit. They hit it, and they like grab their sternum and kind of like just fall back and fall forward. And they just got annihilated. Yeah. Pretty good, good sell. It's a good. It's a good spot. There is room for someone to do this Ric Flair bump. I don't know who it is, but someone needs Kevin Owens should pass, start doing it. Pass the torch, man. You know, you Ray Stevens started it. Ric Flair did it. Sean did it. Someone needs to start doing the fucking the, the Ray Stevens bump in the corner for sure. Yeah. Make them go Kevin all Owens. the way over. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is the new Ray Stevens. <laughs> It'd be yeah. hilarious to see Kevin Owens do it. <laughs> go all the way over, walk three feet and fall. <laughs> uh, all right, so so uh, Rampage, real quickly, 
Death Triangle, Butcher Blade, and Mark Quinn start off from last night. Well, from 5 o'clock, not really last night, but, you know, they've had to do their thing uh, because of uh, hockey or basketball, one sport. I don't remember. But uh, good match. Very, if you will, spot-festy. But Ray Phoenix, man, he's a fucking maniac. He's just getting back, and he's, like, even getting thrown to the outside, going through the ropes, nailing just the guardrail from that projection. I mean, just doing all the crazy stuff he does, jumping on the top rope, back to the second rope, back to the top rope, you know, Ray style, or Ray Mysterio style, I should say. Um, Butcher looks great. I don't know what the fuck Mark Quinn was doing with his hair. He's dyed it all different fucking colors. It looks ridiculous, but uh, still great in the ring. Um, it's a fun match. And, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, the Black Arrow, I, I swear to God, every time that Pac does that, and you get the win with it, but when he does it, it's just perfect. He's so good at looking rough and tough, throwing really hard strikes. He can be a brawler if he wants. He can be a great technical wrestler, and then he's also a great high flyer. Like, such a hybrid fucking wrestler, man. So good. But a uh, pretty fun match to start off with, with uh, Death Triangle going over. And then we had the House of Black. Lights go out, House of Black. Lights go on, House of Black's in the ring. Lights go off. They go back on, they're gone. So, trying to get in the head of the Death Triangle. Obviously, we're going to finally have that fucking match and the end of this feud, hopefully, at double or nothing. Because I think that both both three-men groups need to go to opposite places. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I will also say, Ray Phoenix, how do you get your arm so fucked up and still come back and just be as good as ever man's ridiculous and if i was him i'd wear like a really shitty shirt about it that says like clever girl on the front of it or something (laughs) 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 or like hold on your butts you know what i mean like yep uh but yeah i agree with you it uh good opener it it was very much what i would expect out of that match Yep, and then we had uh, Bear Boulder going against Sean Spears. I mean, Sean beat him very quickly, easily. And uh, this was set up, obviously, his match against Wardlow. And then told the camera afterwards that he was coming for him. Something they do in AEW that I missed, that WCW, like wrestlers after like you know matches would just come up and kind of do a small promo just to the camera. Raw never did that. WWE doesn't do that, but it's 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 nice. You don't have to have a full promo section. You can just get a little bit of the rivalry in there quick. And I'm glad AEW does that because it's something that WCW did that I thought was actually beneficial back in the day. I'm also glad they give their heels wins headed into an important match. Looking at you, yep. WWE with Seth Rollins. No shit. <laughs> uh. All right, so we had Riho and Ruby Soho in another qualifier match. This match was fucking great uh, between both ladies. I'm just surprised. Like, some of Riho's faults are just because since she's smaller, the way she hits stuff, it doesn't have as much of a sound. But she still does a lot of good technical work. But Soho also was able to put on an awesome match. And um, she ended up inevitably winning against the past champion to go on 
but they had a good match. Uh, they also announced that Hikuru Shida would be unable to compete due to injury, and she was replaced by Chris Statlander. So that is going to be the next match. I know, I know Rio is smaller, but part of the reason I think some of the fan base turned against her is that they put her in those matches against Nyla Rose that really pointed out how small she was. You know what yeah. I mean? I would love Rio to, which is never going to happen because Ray's in WWE, to get with Rey Mysterio. <laughs> to just like, I, I know she's wrestling a Japanese style, etc., but I'm sure Ray could be like, look, you could lay it in like this and it'll make it look more devastating and, and believable when you're going against these large motherfuckers. Um, but yeah, like she's, uh, like compared to the rest of the women's roster, she's, I mean, she is smaller, but she's not, it's not like a ridiculous size difference. It's not like John Silver versus fucking Hobbs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want to see that match now for some fucking I mean, I, reason. I do too, because it'll be great. But you get what I'm saying? Like, people are like, oh, that's fucking ridiculous. And he's like, yeah, really? Like, have you seen Young Bucks matches? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Have you have you seen Billy Gunn in any match on this roster? <laughs> so that was a funny thing. The next thing that happened is Billy Gunn had a talk with the the ass boys, if you will, uh, his two sons and the acclaimed. And it looks like they're now in allegiance uh, as some type of group. And it was great because he was asking, you know, what their next uh, what 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 they can do as like a gesture that when all of them get in the ring, they can all do together. And one of his sons was like, "Ooh, ooh how about we do?" And he like wanted to do a crotch shop. And Billy's like, "No, no, 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 we can't do that." And then um, whatever the hand gesture is that the acclaim do together, uh, Anthony Bowen like suggested. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Bowen suggested that, and he's like, "That's great. That's so innovative." And then Colton's like. Uh, because he's like, all right, well, we need a, like a phrase that we can say together. And Colton's like, how about I got two words for you? And then he cuts him off real quick. And he's like, no, 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 no. We need something more innovative. And then uh, what, what's his name? The other member of the uh, acclaimed uh, said their catchphrase. And then he was like, we're going to go with that. So apparently they're all a unit together. So that's interesting. <laughs> also, Anthony's still hurt. So it makes sense, I guess. I uh, like in I 2022 we have fucking Mr. Ass and the Ass Boy scissoring with the acclaimed. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful stuff. It's great. It's funny. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do with this group. <laughs> they're gonna go against the elite. <laughs> Is that the next uh, big feud? The Jericho Appreciation Society. <laughs> what, I mean, what are we doing here? I don't but know, also. Man. Billy Gunn also, like I said, does point out, like, bro, there's a lot of people that, in comparison, are the same size as Rio in certain matches. He's or like a huge, huge, like, man. Like, it was funny. Jimmy Corderas is, like, talking about this. He's friends with Billy. You know, he used to be the referee back in that time period and shit. And he's like, we're almost the same age. Look at him and look at me. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, God. I, I love the constant torture of Danhausen fucking with the ass boys in those vlogs, but also being friends with Billy Gunn. It's great. <laughs> or Shit's Billy awesome. Ass, as he would call him. So we so just maybe, maybe Danhausen and Hook will have to come <laughs> rescue Billy Gunn from this <laughs> dastardly group. I'm down for that. Yeah, definitely. Oh man, that's <laughs> funny. 
But uh, we, you know, we talked about some great matches this week, and we this another one that ends it from last night. You know, uh, Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, TNT Championship has been built up. Scorpio was kind of like at odds with Dan Lambert and uh, Ethan Page for even giving you know Frankie the chance to go against him and saying that he's that's one of his best friends. And there's a lot they they were able to build a lot in a small amount of time with this, and they had a fucking awesome match. You know, these guys know each other, so of course they're gonna have a great match. But then for the ending to go the way that it did, and they even got me. I didn't think that this was gonna be the direction that they went with uh Ethan Page causing, you know, hitting hitting Frankie uh in the back, in the back of the head with the uh the the whatchamacallit championship after before the Scorpio Sky asked him not to get involved, Dan Lambert's distracting referee, Ethan does this. Fucks over Frankie. Scorpio doesn't see it um, and is placed on him. You know, Frankie actually doesn't end up or he ends up getting out of that. And Scorpio would get him later on his finisher for the win. But finding out from Frankie what happened, you know, Scorpio acts like he's pissed off at Dan and and Ethan. And, you know, is asking what the fuck. And Frankie's like, you know, still pissed off on the ground. And then Scorpio Sky just turns around and starts fucking kicking the shit out of his old tag team partner, uh, Frank Kazarian, and they all just beat the shit out of him. Dan Lambert then uh, projects to um, uh, Scorpio Sky, no, not Scorpio Sky, I'm sorry, uh, Sammy Guevara, who's in the audience with Ty Connie, uh, with their new, um, whatever, the multi-gender tag team AAA championship, Matt, or whatever the fuck those things are called. But anyways, uh, and basically says, like, you know, if you want to quit being a bitch and... Uh, hanging out with Horhausen over there and Sammy gets up, he goes in the ring, helps Frankie out. And it looks like, like I said, they're going to try to keep on going with uh, Sammy Guevara being a baby face. Now I, I don't really know, but Dan Lambert, Ethan page and Scorpio sky were able to get that heel heat back from this whole thing with Frankie. So good on you for doing that. I didn't think this was going to happen. I thought this was going to be the end of uh, Ethan page and, uh, Scorpio and I was wrong. Scorpio was going to stay heel, and it was actually executed pretty well. So I'll give him that. It was executed uh, well from the standpoint of like I thought they were like you said they were going to turn Scorpio, and they didn't. And also, I didn't expect the Sammy Guevara stuff. I thought it was going to be Frankie Kazarian versus uh, all e- uh, all ego in in Scorpio, and then he brings in like Christopher Daniels. Yeah, and they're still setting up whatever the hell like multi-tag match i mean the weird thing is like sammy Guevara got heel heat by being on the internet <laughs> like as a character he's not <laughs> i was very confused by this uh his heel turn anyways is like i think i even messaged you i was like so people just hate ty conti is that like why sammy is a heel <laughs> Uh, so they're trying to return that but i mean the best thing they can do for him is just like if you want Ty Conti to have that match with Paige Van Zandt, just do a singles match and leave Sammy not involved in it <laughs> would be probably be the best thing because like don't get any on you. Yeah, he's, he's just getting heat from it, similar to any time they threw Brandy out with Cody. Um, yep. So. And who was always a babyface with them? Somehow Dan Lambert. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Oh, God. I think we almost got a match between Dan Lambert and Brandy. Thank God that didn't happen. 
That would have been awesome. But yeah, that was it. And that's the show. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, Chris, we talked about a lot of wrestling. Say goodbye to all the lovely people out there and give them any, I don't know, uh, plugs, any type of tags for your accounts on social medias and all that type of stuff. Do what you got to do. Sure. Goodbye, lovely people. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, at Chris R. Patton. Uh, apologize for this asshole's car. Uh, if you want to talk to me on Facebook at Christopher.r.patton. If you like hockey, if you want to hear about the legend Mike Bossy from uh, <laughs> the, the great uh, great state of New York, the Long Island uh, Long Island Islanders, uh, we did a tribute show to that on at Skates to Throats. Everyone have a great weekend, uh, and as always, Dane, thanks thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. It's good having you, sir. And, uh, you know, you can find me at DaneAlves42 on Twitter or DaneAlves on Facebook. Message me. We'll talk about stuff. And we usually do this show on Saturdays and try to get the show out by Monday. So if you want to listen to it, you can find us on any platform downloadable online. Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I also have another show that I do called Dane Rants. We had an episode where we went over... uh, the Doctor Strange movie, the uh, Moon Knight season one, and just kind of talking about phase four and phase five. So check that out if you're interested in that type of stuff. And as always, find me back here the next time you listen on an episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Thank you guys so much. And as always, peace out. As always. As always. <laughs> to be fair. To be fair. To, to be, be fair. fair. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it won't stop recording. <laughs>